Okay, I'm number six, and this is TNP Live. And I'm here with TNP contributors Chris Graves and Lisa Belanger. And here's this week's monologue. I grew up believing in American heroes, the kind that would pull kids like me from burning buildings if I were trapped. My American heroes and my favorite cartoon shows and wrestling would save me and any other innocent person from the disasters of nature or the evils of men. That's what made them heroes. Now, they weren't just heroes for that either, because they, because their creators had to fill in some dialogue to explain things and sometimes for character development, were often given an ideology, one that could explain why their actions made them good guys and others bad. In my era, after the Vietnam War had its scars visible and frightening. After years of economic downturn, the propaganda I was receiving was directed towards American competition and the new global economy. I was, being, I was being given my instruction on how to serve a goal that wasn't my own, but of the men of the Trilateral Commission and the military-industrial complex. I was constantly told growing up that America is the best country in the world. I was placed on sides cheering against the foreign menaces from aliens to Iran, from G.I. Joe to WWF, and eventually the mix of the two thanks to Sergeant Slaughter. I watched some heroes change, and not into flies but into bad guys. And that's when something really started to click with me. In some, cases, in some cases, I watched heroes break the rules to win. I was told it was better to accept the win despite the cheating because it was better than losing to evil. After a while, good and evil didn't matter as much after watching this happen over and over. When the rules of a particular canon are thrown out in a story, it takes the impact away from what just happened. It confuses and frustrates people. Imagine a Seinfeld episode. Well, the whole premise is them collecting people's bodies to make suits of flesh for Jerry's new stand-up routine. Some folks not prepared for that may find another show to watch. The America that I knew no longer existed as I got older. The image of it reflected in media was something of a remorse or admission at times. This, at one time I thought, would lead to more people understanding where America went wrong and that my generation could fix it. Then the identities of the people that were addressed in that work that united people in a reality and object objectivity artistically were rapidly weaponized against the mainstream culture and today even against one another. All driven by the new trends in media and influence. Just like rock and roll, but maybe we still got something out of, of value out of that manipulation. The weaponization of identity created a time for me 
where there was no one to cheer for, because they all looked the same to me. No one had anything to say, because the American values had been exposed as fraudulent in these tales, so that the good guys could make it right this time and include everybody. They managed to. They managed to include everybody in supporting evil. <laughs> the idea of unity under the principles that were fed to us since 9-11 and throughout COVID till to this day, still to this day, show that the American people still want heroes. We still want to believe in this abstract. When you introduce the offer to every little group or demographic by pointing out that they are what the American ideals are supposed to be about, based on simple things like race and skin color and some gentilia. I think this type of media had let a lot of different folks see the move that was being done to everyone. It's now, now it's starting to get played out. People are falling back into pro and anti-America camps. Some so-called anti-Americans in America are cheering our war in Ukraine. Things have indeed gotten weird. It's almost like the AI took over and I'm watching things that don't go together. Things that look crazy to me sometimes. But you all keep me grounded. The rest of the media, and even most alternative media, can go to shit. But I'm thankful for all of you. And TMP is looking to help create stories that make sense in reality and fiction. So stay tuned. And that's this week's monologue. Drop a six in the chat if you feel me. Um, Lisa, how are you feeling this week? <clears throat> yeah, I feel you, six. Yep, I feel you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm con still cantankerous as ever. So yeah. Yes, all, all I like it. Good. All is good. So love the monologue as usual. Mm, and it you. reminded me of, you know, Gee, when did I when did I lose my um you know break through the illusion of of America? <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it's when I you know entered the court system and found out that there you know law means nothing, and <clears throat> seeing you know the win at all costs attitude, you know that yeah. that's that's when it happened. Well, I mean, and we're going to talk about that today because, folks, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, legal immunity, in a sense, like, and how it applies in a lot of different stories that we cover here on TNP and our network. Um, the things that we've just recently witnessed in Maui, um, the things that happened to most of us, if not all of us, during COVID, and um, what we're going to do about it, like what the ultimate solution and sort of consequence is going to be for all of these actions that have been taken against us like from from forcing shots into people that are falling over dead um another famous person has 
just recently had a heart attack, but didn't make it. Um, in this instance, it wasn't a football player on a football field. In this instance, it was a uh, popular wrestler, Lisa. And I just got word of it last night from our friend Billy Ray. Uh, shout out to Billy Ray Valentine of America Unplugged and Infinite Fringe. Um, he sent me a message that Bray Wyatt, um, who is known in real life as uh, Wyndham Rotunda, uh, Mike Rotunda's son. Mike Rotunda was also a famous wrestler, and also uh, he was a son of a wrestler too. So, I mean, this was a legacy of a popular wrestling family taken down at the age of 36 by a heart attack. Now, everybody on this panel could probably say that that's probably not all that common, right? And then immediately, the news media goes to a story that talks about how Wyndham, or Bray Wyatt, as he's known most popularly, um, got sick a couple months ago and just never really recovered. And like, I'm... I like looked around, I'm like, he got sick earlier this year? Like from COVID? From this COVID? Like well, not, not the original. That, isn't <laughs> that the thing though? If I remember correctly from reading the articles, <clears throat> they don't even, they, it's, they don't even want to, uh, they're very evasive as to the illness, right? And the fact that it's like Lisa, the fact that it's even being attributed to that, like this man had just passed, right? But it's already in the lore. It's already in the the story of his death that's being propagated right now. Like, and I'm I, like, faithfully, I'm part in doing it, like just talking about it. But that the fact that you know he's dead, and they have to tell the story of how he got to be there by him getting COVID is that they don't have any definitive proof of that, right? Not yet, at least. They can't like look at his dead body and be like, oh, COVID got him. You know, it's not that fucking obvious, is right? it? Right, right. And like the first thing that went into my mind, and, and it's just like, and I'm sure it happens to a lot of us now, you know, listening and probably on this panel too, is that when somebody like that passes First thing that you think of is what? Did they take the shot? Exactly. Did they take the jab? First thing. Like, and and just, I, I have listened to the arguments that what we did as far as this uh, max vac vaccination campaign to all of us all around the world, well, at least in most places, the, the ones in Africa that didn't, they, they turned out okay. Shocker. Um, but you know, what we did there was supposed to maybe kick off some sort of mass die-off, right? I've heard that argument. That's that's a scary fucking argument to have. Well, it's coming in the next couple of years. Well, and the thing is, the suspense of it all is that we don't actually know because they didn't even bother to do long-term trials, right? That we know of. Well, that was the point. To see if he, he would, if he would even come to that. Now, folks, 
if I'm betting on the two sides here, I'm betting on, I, I hope that it doesn't happen, right? <laughs> like, I don't want that to happen. I have plenty of, I mean, Chris, you and I have talked about it. You know, we have plenty of people in our lives that were forced into that situation, you know, or at least forced into making that decision, right? You know, yeah, co look at, coercion works in different ways. Look at everyone that's running the show, though. They're evil and they want a lot of people dead. And were they taking the saline shots? <laughs> you know? I know. I have a feeling the F and the NFL players were. Mm. I have a feeling. Can't prove it. But I have a feeling. Because they're symbolic. They're not even like, like, I don't even think that the people well, making these decisions look at them as people. They just look at them as like an advertising billboard well, with a six, uniform if you, on. If you have a bunch of college players dropping dead, that's one thing. If you got a bunch of NFL stars dropping dead, that's a lot of attention. It is. And it's just like, but my point is, is what are they going to attribute it to? Because a lot of the people that took the shots also got COVID. Right. So if they continuously point to COVID being the cause of death, then yeah. COVID's the big bad again. Now the boogeyman's back. And it's and it's unstoppable. <laughs> the boogeyman is back because look what uh, has been going on in social media. Of um, <clears throat> they're talking about ooh, the masks are back. Here we go again. Well, not okay. just that, not just that, Lisa, but there was also reporting that there was a couple of billion allocated for new vaccine development too for the next pandemic this fall. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Chris, um, because I got a chance to be on the Karis project the other day for a nice little interview. And I got to speak with um, another woman on that show named Lauren cup. And uh, she informed me and the rest of the audience on that show. And you all can take a look at that because we simulcasted it on TMP. Um, she talked about Chris that she used to work um, for a particular pharmaceutical company. Wow. And she was aware that that new batch that you just mentioned yeah. was coming coming down the pike so of course there would be a new big bad variant that would that the media would hype up to uh yeah. get up the um the uptake of the new the yeah. new stuff the new juice they're just gonna keep going with this i mean because they can keep getting away with it right because what's the fucking penalty like can anyone point to a law can anyone point to like something where they would be at fault for that we can actually hold them accountable. And I say them, I mean like the people in government that are making that, these calls that are not representing us at all. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, no, you're right. Like I get the libertarian argument that we can, you know, just say, fuck these companies, you know, right. Like we just say, well, just don't buy anything from Pfizer anymore. Well, you know, good luck if you go to the doctor and they're like, Hey, we're going to put you on something that's made by Pfizer. Yeah, because the, <laughs> the insurance is only going to green light certain products. Oh, and, and by bringing that up, Chris, didn't you bring up the fact that there's a immediate gatekeeper there and in insurance companies? Yeah, you know, when you want to look at when you want to point fingers in the COVID story and you want to look at some real fucking bad guys, who yeah. do you think had a big influence on a lot of those policies, folks? I think yeah. it was the insurance companies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No fucking sway. Right. They don't have any sway in that market. <laughs> but the, only that's ones okay. that, the only they're ones private, that, though, <laughs> they're, the only, they're private. They wear that little private hat. So they're the good guys. <laughs> so the only the only insurance folks that were blindsided by a lot of this were the life insurance 
places, you know, because they're the ones that really have to pay out when all these people keep fucking dying. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 another thing, too, is that how they code death. What is it? Forty percent, almost half. Give me a break. Yep. So, I mean, and here's a here's here's a thing to think about. So imagine being like an insurance exec. Right. And um, so you guys are both sitting on the insurance panel and say that I, I come in to deliver a speech to you guys about what's going on in the market. And I'm saying, hey, uh, everybody is dropping dead from either COVID or the COVID shots. And that means that we have a ridiculous payout coming up because of it. Won't you want to recode? Lisa, I'm going to remove you from the other one so I can add you back on here. You think you there we go. You're back, you, Lisa. There we you go. Th- you think I they know. would you think they would have greased their their palms too? Because they're the ones that are gonna make the biggest stink about the- oh I would change the code, Chris. Because check this out. Um, if you wanted to manipulate that market to benefit yourself, like say that you know insurance companies do that, um, you would probably want to change then the medical coding for a COVID death because that that COVID death was a preventable death that you by taking the action of not being vaccinated, right? <laughs> uh, had, the, had the choice to make. So because of that, then you check off a box and then you go into a different category. You go into a different pile of M&Ms. You go with the fucking brown ones that nobody wants, right? <laughs> yeah, like on Van Halen's rider, backstage rider, certain yes. M&M colors. Yes. So, I mean, but that's that's essentially what insurance does is that it creates those categories, right? Um, it, it separates people based on certain, you know, specifics and, uh, they could make those specifics being vaccinated or unvaccinated. Now, is that, um, is that a form of discrimination? Well, if you look at the term discrimination, I think it, it's fitting, but does it fit discrimination legally? Yeah. And then who's deciding? <laughs> Lisa? Okay. Thank Who's deciding what's fucking legal in this in this sense? Right. So if the government wants to go, hey, insurance companies that have lots of money that you can give us, I have a solution for you. It's sort of Hegelian that I'm going to make it legal to put people in the category of vaccinated or unvaccinated in their insurance. So therefore, they can have access to anything from, let's just say, organ transplants to all them good Pfizer meds, to everything else that uh, the Western medicine system does that the government partly controls, right? Judge, jury, and executioner all in one. Yeah, it's Judge Dredd with a fucking surgical mask on, <laughs> okay? Is it the Stallone one or the Carl Oh, Urban it's definitely one? the Stallone one. Yeah, it's definitely the Stallone one. We're, Carl Urban's not here. that bad either. You know what? We will have to do like Chris, even if it's just you and I, but I mean, we'll, we can, we can make it happen. I'm sure we'll have to do a watch along of the new judge dread. Cause I'll be honest with you. I've only seen parts of it. I've never seen it all the way through. Well, can it I tell like, you, can yeah. I tell you this? There's a, a, a screenwriter from Britain. He's, he lives in Hollywood. His name is Peter Briggs. He, he agreed to do an interview with me cause he was one of the first people to uh, write a Freddy versus Jason screenplay. He's actually the brainchild behind uh, bringing Hellboy to the big screen and Alien versus Predator. He wrote 
a Judge Dredd script back in the day, and I'd like that would be cool if uh, we brought him in on it too. Except the only problem is that he's with the uh, the Screen Actors Guild right now on strike, so he can't wow. do any any interviews at the moment. But that just reminded me of that. That's yeah. Sorry, I know I just derailed everything. No, you didn't. Actually, you pointed out something brilliant. Um, the Screen Actors Guild and that strike. Yeah, they're they're battling against AI. <laughs> talk about talk about our irony, huh? With like Skynet and everything. <laughs> well, and and do you think that the Screen Actors Guild is uh, all for them shots? Oh yeah, they're back in the business of masking up. And uh, yeah, Steve Cameron told me before that uh, even being an extra out there when I was out there a lot this time last year, that you know, good luck trying to be a a union extra because they're going to make you uh, get your shots. And he wasn't wrong. Yeah, I got a an article from a listener the other day that Lionsgate Media was asking their people to mask up. Oh yeah, I sent that to you too. Yeah, no, that they're doing that too, and a couple other studios are following suit, and it's very disappointing. Very. Well, and, and imagine being in that position too, Chris. Like, like because you had, you know, been out there and you know had done some work out there. If you had been in one of those gigs, right, where you're I was getting, trying. I was trying. Yeah. Well, yeah, but imagine tying like and your love and your passion for it. But imagine also tying in your monetary position in the world to that, and then being over a barrel in one of those situations where you rather have to join the group on one side or the other. Right. Yeah. You could yeah. rather be with the rest of the writers or you could be a scab, which is a terrible, you know, uh, false dichotomy to be in whenever it comes to any type of objective decision making. Right. Yeah. And you 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 put so-called representatives, just like we do with government in a position of power where they can levy whether or not you're going to be able to make what you want in this life creatively or not. And then if, if they're if they're making those sort of decisions and uh, negotiating them with these these companies that don't really i mean obviously i don't think any of the entertainment companies even give a fuck what they make anymore i mean they they just look at a balance sheet and they maybe have some guidelines that are given to them about like you know introducing esg or whatever else and, one of know. the things that were keeping me alive was uh, the idea of being able to create art and work with possibly studios or whatever so now that i see that ai is taking over and mandates with all these, you know, medical tyranny kind of things is uh, not good for my um, my psyche, to be honest. And uh, it was kind of a crushing blow well, to and, uh, everything. Well, and, but imagine, though, like these people, if, if you would have been in their position, they're told that you now have to prove your immunity to be part of the writer's guild. And I'm like, not willing to do that. So, it, like I said, it's like a crushing blow to... Uh, yeah. My existence pretty much now. Yeah. I yeah. waited too long, you know. Well, and you know what? Your your principles, you know, would keep you from making that decision. But it's hard to apply those same principles to people that are already in it. Like you said, like if you were already making movies, say that you're in the middle of a horror movie and then the strike happens. Well, I'm then, living one, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're doing more we're doing more documentary uh style <laughs> yeah. than, doc you mock you whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a mock you horror oh man 
Yeah, I don't. Has that been done? Has that been done? Did we just come up with a new thing? <laughs> uh, okay, all right. I gotta write that down. Yeah, please, somebody write that down. All right. <laughs> no, that's somebody. Person, I'm rolling, man. Yeah, no, this is something that we just came up <laughs> off there. It's all right. It's all right. That, that, but the thing is, is that I think the beautiful thing about art is that once the 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 jack is out of the box and people see the jack and how it works, um, other it's just people. A matter of uh, whoever. Yeah. Just a matter of different people's uh, perspective. So anyone you know, much can so, take yeah. that idea and run with it. Absolutely. It, it's what makes it yours that makes it unique. Thank you, Chris. You said it perfectly. I don't even have the to. More you know, NBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Oh man, but let's uh, so let's jump into uh, the first of the big four. Then I think that maybe is a good transition because, like, the way our conversation was going here, folks. Um, let's let's talk about pretty this fucking dire. <laughs> well, it's just I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to shut up. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of like what what can they hold against like the writers and everybody in those positions, other than you know the the AI part. Like, what else can like the people that are negotiating on the other side, what else could they want from these folks? Like if you they know, already willingly gave themselves up to be like experiments for Pfizer, um, yeah. you know, to just to keep their jobs before, what are they going to do to them now? And are they, are they setting Lisa, are they setting a precedent too for how it's going to be done with the rest of us? Don't they like, pro, they, don't they, you know, sort of trot out, people in front of us to make examples for the rest of us to sort of follow suit well my favorite movie star got her shot so i'm gonna go do that too like that's like that's really a way certain people think folks like i'm not not even joking with you um but that then was going on during the lockdowns yeah people all these hollywood hot shots were getting um uh, most likely saline shots to get pe the public to go on board with it mm-hmm but after what we've been through for the past couple of years, I cannot believe that we're going to be going over the same rigmarole all over again. And people, are, I mean, I'm really hoping that this is that we're going to have a, a, a quicker uh, downplay by people of not complying with this bullshit if people comply with this bullshit again that is really depressing well what's depressing is the bottom of a spiral lisa gets a little bit tighter right that you start from in if you're in a whirlpool and you're being sucked down that you're in big circles and then it starts getting into smaller smaller cycles so we're just seeing like the ritual patterns of abuse here <laughs> just pop up a lot more frequently than just them rhyming with other historical things that maybe happened a hundred years ago. Now what happens in a hundred years can happen in just a year or two and maybe even sooner. And they, and, and again, without consequence, without any built-in structure, without anything codified into law, Lisa, you know, that without any type of penalty for what's happened the past several years, this behavior is going to continue. And in and fact, even, and we're probably going to enable it. We're probably going to enable it. Codified into law is actually illegal, right? I mean, yeah. license to kill. Come on. I mean, well, the whole notion of what is law to begin with. The idea, and I thought about this a lot last night, um, that we we pick representatives, right? That we endow them with this power. 
um, to potentially kill with it and to put anyone outside of yourself in charge of whom they get to kill and when is a really, really strange things, you know, for me. Like I, I know, and I've never been, but I know that there's probably more than enough circumstances in which a human being probably needs to be taken out, right? Like in, in terms of like you're defending yourself, you're defending your home, um, you're defending your children. I've listened to a lot of things this past week about children being taken by social services and other people. But ultimately, though, like if you try and fight back physically in those times, if you try and levy those types of consequences, you are going to probably be seen as the bad guy, and uh, it's probably not going to end well for you. The other side gets to act with that type of reaction. It could be quick, and it could be lethal, and it could be devastating if it wants to. It can pull the mask off and show you that it's not really benevolent. <laughs> and even at that point, when the soft tyranny becomes more of a hard tyranny here, again, what do we have? If we, if, if we don't fight, if we cannot fight back and should not fight back physically against something like this being imposed upon people, some terrible form of tyranny where you're given this, this terrible choice to rather keep what you have in life and in this world or lose it all if you don't want to believe in something that people no longer really believe in. And even the mainstream is telling us that now. Like that the shit really is falling apart. Like people are starting to see some things. I mean, this is this is from the Hill, folks. This is a third of adults believe COVID-19 vaccines caused thousands of sudden deaths. And this is according to the Hill through Yahoo News. A third? This is, are they downplaying or is it more? I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards more guys. I don't know about you all. I think that a lot of people out there probably wouldn't vote yes to that in a poll. But I also don't really trust polls at all. <laughs> like Amen. at all. Amen. Yeah, I, I need to know a little bit more about the underlying pollsters, right? Like yeah, who are they polling? Yeah. I would say like masters of uh, perception or deception management, however you want to look at it. Um, you know, when it comes to polling, I mean, if you if you want to influence somebody by saying that everybody else is doing it, <laughs> you know, um, everybody else feels this way, why don't you? I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that I think people get out of articles like this. But it's sit through some of this bullshit with me and let's take it out because what you talked about, if the, are they getting how are they doing this again? Well, th this is why. I mean, if you're reading The Hill and you're taking this like verbatim, you're taking this without critique or without any type of critical thinking. This is from Joseph Choi. Let's see what Joseph has for us today as far as like fallacies and bullshit from COVID. So first off, First fucking line of, of this. First line, right? I'm not missing anything. First line. It says, belief in misinformation about key health issues persists among a good chunk of adults with false claims about COVID-19, vaccines, and reproductive health garnering a substantial amount of support a poll released Tuesday by KFF has found. Can't even he can't even disguise his bias in the first sentence. 
the first three words. Yeah, Believe in misinformation. Right. First off, how the fuck do you know what even people believe? Next, how, do, where, or if anywhere in this article, if anybody can tell me, it's going to be attached to this week's source list. Don't you worry, folks. You can definitely come through it if you want to. Where are they going to say that what these people are talking about is actually misinformation? And whose term is that? Is that kind of like the term conspiracy theorist? <laughs> you know, is that something that they have to throw in here now? In order to, as soon as you just start reading this, you immediately have the idea that the other person, it's called poisoning the well, right? In an argument that you immediately have the other, you just start off an argument with about a guy, right? And you start off Lisa with like, well, this fucking asshole, you know? So everybody in the room is just like, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. And she's going to tell us how. Let's see if they actually get to why these people are fucking assholes in this sense. Um, it says whether or not they believe the claims, nearly all participants in the survey were aware of the misinformation, with 96% saying they had heard at least one of the 10 claims presented to them. The most widespread misinformation claims had to do with COVID-19 and vaccines. <laughs> okay. Um, it looks Wait, like they're really focused mean, on the that. Way? That they were aware of the misinformation. What does that even mean? How can you tell? I mean, you've been in a courtroom. How can you tell if somebody's been aware of something? You'd have to have documentation of it, right? That these people look at all like the metadata of these people, like, like all these people's search records and everything. Like, do they have access to their full internet AI profile QR code thing that's going to be used for our social credit system? They have access to that? Because I would at least give you something to be like, yeah, you're... You're looking up all these uh, untrue rumors and stuff, and we gotta we gotta talk to you about that. You know, we gotta have to have we gotta have to have an intervention with you, Mister Graves. You know, and tell you that you're just looking up too much conspiracy stuff, right? You're just looking into too much misinformation here about the JFK assassination or aliens or you know whatever else that we we just don't want you to look into or talk about. So let's let's do something about that, right? Let's let's talk about what what uh, what the media. Uh, apparently uh, proposes that we should do. It says uh, in the article, the new polling data found that a third of adults believe that COVID-19 vaccines caused thousands of sudden deaths in otherwise healthy people <laughs> with, with 10% believing that they claim to be definitely true and 23% saying it was probably true. Now, another 34% said it was probably false and 31% said that that claim was definitely false. So that means that close to a third you know, of, of people, right? Am I getting this right? Maybe say that it was probably definitely false that that's happening. And what is that for? Is that for them looking at the objective evidence of people like dying after taking shots and going, oh, no, it's definitely not that. It's this. Let me ask you a question, though. Are those the people that think it's COVID that killed these people with the myocarditis and not the shots? Like, because I, I mean, I'm willing to have that debate. I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to say, hey, if you have scientific evidence that it is COVID that's causing these deaths and not the shots, I'm willing to give that up. Like, I have no emotional attachment to it being the shots that's killing people suddenly. I don't. I mean, if it, if it does that, I think that's fucking terrible. We should definitely do something about it. But has it even been investigated in any sense? And who's who the and investigated who the, by whom? Yeah, and who by, the fuck is the investigator here? 
that the fox is watching the hen house. What? And by the way, they um uh it seems that that uh, this author of this article can't even do math because when he does when you do out the percentages, it only comes <laughs> it comes up to ninety eight percent. Yeah, I think they're dividing the. <laughs> So I think what they did is they divided the the yeses and the nos in different ways, and then divided the, like divided that into percentages. That's that has to be the way that it, it broke down um, in, in different. And they don't show you that either. I think that's going to be if like if I click on this where it says new polling data, I bet um, that's probably going to take me to a graph or something where this is broken down. Actually, yes, I'm going to attach this to the source list, even though there's a link to it. Let me go over to it here. Um, doo -doo -doo, yeah, this is uh what it links to, Lisa. Let me switch over here for everybody else to see. And, also, and, and notice when when they talk when they talk about this information, they're not even talk. There's no medical sourcing whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, this is um this is from KFF. This is the KFF Health Misinformation Tracking Poll Pilot. Um. Oh boy, what does a pilot mean, Chris? Does that mean that they're just starting this, right? Isn't it like the first little, first little deal that you do to show how it works? Oh, that's a trigger for what they use in the court system too. They, that that's one of their code words. Pilots. <laughs> this is a pilot. But I mean, yeah, folks, aren't they creating like a psychological wow. appeal to this? Well, like if you see that sixty percent or seventy percent of people. Don't believe a certain thing. No, I was just uh, yakking in the bathroom. I got nausea like you wouldn't believe. I feel like I'm literally dying right now. No, uh, Lisa, a pilot is a uh, a first episode of a possible TV series. Yep. Sorry about the yakking, but uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah, and the, well, and which is why the court, and that's why the courts use that, right, as, as terminology for whatever they're doing in the in the court system. Oh wow. Now with they use, um, they use that terminology const constantly. Well, I've never heard I never heard of oh. a pilot being in the court system, but definitely in the entertainment industry in terms of television shows, uh, the first episode is a pilot episode to get the show off and off and running. Nope, that's what that and that's and it's fully applicable because that's that's the exact terminology that they use in the administration of the court system. Oh, definitely. Yep. You see how you see how that all the I mean, correlates. I mean, goes right along with it. I mean, acting and everything. Sure. That it's all a show. <laughs> that it's all a show. They use the same terminologies, even right. Oh man, but uh, yeah, with KFF here, it says in the introduction it says, and and again, the first three words. I wonder if that was <laughs> that was a thing. Um, it says while health misinformation and disinformation long preceded the pandemic, the pervasiveness of false and inaccurate information about COVID-19 and vaccines brought in further focus the extent to which misinformation can distort public health debates. <laughs> I mean, you mean that people like us that try and look for objective facts and truth and like, you know, not just look at statements or claims, but like we actually want some sort of scientific evidence or you know, we, we talk to people like, uh, how do you pronounce it, Lisa, John Baldwin, <laughs> uh, about the numbers uh, here. And it looks, you know, if you look at that sort of data, it looks like there's been 
a lot more uh, people dying suddenly uh, since the introduction of them. So um, now all the, uh, with that, I will also state that death certificates, coroner's reports, things of that nature need to be looked at. Um, but also when it comes to how these things are actually looked at, I mean, while people are living, what kind of data, what kind of data is being gathered about the people that have taken this stuff and the effects that it's having on them? Like we know that the VARES system is completely fucked. Like that it's just, you know, rather not being implemented, people don't even know about it. People don't want to do it because it's just, it's, it's bureaucratic mess. Um, all, all sorts of reasons, right? But I mean, aside from that, what are the what are the other internal sort of studies about how this is affecting people's hearts and myocarditis? I mean, imagine the amount of studies that could be going on right now just on just that one topic, let alone strokes and all the other things that are associated with uh, taking a COVID-19 vaccine. Well, I mean, we are we are really nowhere in assessing those claims without genuine scientific evidence. Like I could bring the most brilliant people on here to talk about, you know, the moral rights and wrongs of this and everything else. And I, I love talking about that stuff, folks. But we really, we are absolutely beholden to investigation in order to prove what it really happened here. And my fear is, is that we're, we're not given the opportunity to really control that investigation or how it's done. We have, we have had better investigation techniques back in 1690s, okay, with the witch trials, okay? It, it's, gotten, it, it's gotten worse over the years, okay? It was better back then. Well, and right here, it says in this KFF thing too. So this is how you can tell that right off the bat, the way that they approached this was, you know, this is the accepted objective reality that these things will not cause. And in fact, is it, is it something where nothing will cause that thing until it's absolutely scientifically proven that it will cause that thing? Like, can this be like the Johnson's baby powder asbestos thing where, you know, people tell you for years, oh, just don't, don't use that shit. You know, it has asbestos in it. And then finally, after years, after decades, they finally cop to it and say, oh yeah, that's, there was asbestos in there. It'll probably give you ball cancer or something. Probably shouldn't put that on your nuts. I mean, it's just now you tell me, right? Um, well, it oh, says not right, to mention oh, a roundup in our food. Hello. Yes. Yeah, the, the glyphosate and and like whatever else that they're spraying on things. I mean, and this goes into a lot of the stuff that you know some of our friends in alternative media will talk about with what's being sprayed in the skies, what's being sprayed on our food in general. Um, I saw a debate uh, yesterday on Twitter. I think it was. Some random doctor, I don't even know what the hell, I forget her fucking name. Not not something I really, I'll switch back to the panel for this. We'll go back to the article, but not something I really follow, folks, but it's something that popped into my mind. The person was talking about Vandana Shiva. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Vandana Shiva, but she uh, led, I guess, some sort of revolt over in India about changing, or I'm sorry, it, Sri Lanka. Uh, Sri Lanka for uh, switching from uh, like the type of fertilizer and I guess like genetically modified crops and things. Fertilizer like that. is shit. Yeah, yeah it Not is. <laughs> thank, thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you. And Charlie's here. 
Charlie, I'm what's here. happening, man? Yeah. Hey. Welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for so, having me. How are oh, you? Yeah, this is awesome, man. I'm 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 glad that you were able to stop in and we'll um we'll get to the Maui stuff in one second. But Charlie, actually, have you ever heard of Vendana Shiva? Uh she's been featured no. by Russell Brand a lot. Um, where she's like the uh she I think she's Indian. Maybe I'm fucking that up. Somebody, somebody correct me, please. But um she led like this uh sort of organic farming type of revolt and also she i became aware of her during covid because she was very against the shots as well mm -hmm. but um she uh, they there was a doctor on twitter yesterday whose name escapes me i'll probably have to look up the conversation for folks so they could check it out but the doctor was going on and on about how switching from organic like to organic farming is what caused uh, like a lot of the mayhem and havoc that happened in sri lanka after its collapse just recently mm. and, and i'm thinking like okay well like somebody can make that argument that switching from one system that produces a lot of stuff because it's doing it you know using certain tricks or gimmicks uh to, to make it happen versus the organic kind because yes i mean i could see less yield that could be an issue right but also she pointed out something that during this um revolution or, or movement that one of the chief concerns because we were talking about medical misinformation charlie right before you jumped on um huh. and how that's uh being uh, positioned to us i would say in polls uh and things huh. but um the the idea behind that movement though was at least as it was claimed was that the tea product that sri lanka is known for um, mm -hmm. was causing some sort of kidney issue but they never addressed it, whether or not it did or not, right? They moved past that in the argument on Twitter, and they got down to like whether whether or not like organic farming versus just like our westernized Monsanto form of farming works better. Like what produces more tomatoes? What produces oh, more rice? What produces more this GMO, or that? What's good? GMO, way to and go! Like the utilitarian, you know, type of aspect of that too, of just being like, well, this keeps more people alive because we produce more surplus, and then this leads to trade and yada yada yada. That's how you even get certain libertarian minds on on that side of the argument. But they never even addressed whether or not the fact that the stuff caused kidney issues or not. They never really came back to that, you know. And Did they just. just did they discuss that the issues in Sri Lanka had to do with the World Economic Forum and their their energy policy? I, I mean, think because... one or one or two other commenters talked about other issues like that. Yes, like somebody else did come yeah. up with that, but just like dependent on any one thing, of, of course, yeah. is pretty ridiculous. Even the person that stated that you know stated that that wasn't really meant in the conversation, but. Whenever like something pops off, like say for instance, and, and Charlie, you've probably covered a lot in your time as far as like different rumors about you know health and effects yeah. of, of things. But like let's say that um, you know, like Roundup, for instance, Lisa mentioned before you jumped on. It could have been rumored for years that that stuff would be terrible for you and you shouldn't add it to your crops. You shouldn't put it on your plants in your house, you shouldn't breathe that shit in. Mm-hmm. How long does it take in order for them to figure out that it does affect you in that way and then come out with the, the, you know, the admission? And then, Lisa, you've seen this happen plenty of times. Guess who gets the jackpot justice you know, for whatever tumor that you just got? You get your tumor check after the lawyers get their bit out of it. And then that's, that's supposed to be justice, though? That's, that's, that's supposed to make it okay? <laughs> 
mean, I would I would suggest that the the companies like Monsanto and Syngenta that make these products know initially from the beginning that they're dangerous. Oh, so yeah. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any mystery to this because I they know the they part, can get away with it for years and then course, just pay a penalty, right? <laughs> they, they 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 know that because it's been proven to them. Corporatism, right there. The, the, if, if, now, if I'm a soulless um, CEO that doesn't care about human beings, only cares about profit, and I say to myself, I make the calculation: we'll make a we'll make forty billion dollars in profit before they figure this out, and we'll pay a four hundred million dollar fine. That's a tip out. I'd do that deal all day long if I'm a soulless psychopath. What? Wait, and I, nobody goes to prison. Maybe we pay lawsuits, but we pay lawsuits with with net present value money forty years from now with that, the worth of that dollar. Then who cares? you can pay the lawsuits with the money that you got from the ad council. That was the money that was stolen from the people that you just did the wrong to. <laughs> and the attorney, the attorney generals perpetuate that too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's you know the the sham settlements. Well, because on the bucket crap. Yeah, because those are also another vested uh, uh, vessel that we create too in this system. Um, and, and and don't forget that the fines are part of the equation. It's the it's it's when you're done with your your you get your you're a waiter or a waitress at the end of the day you tip out the busboy on your way out because the busboy helped you on your way out you tip out the government hey the government they call it a fine yeah it's a tip out. There's your money. We're out. That's yeah. that's oh, we're fining you. We're gonna hold you accountable. Oh, okay. Like hold a racket, accountable. <laughs> See that that's where the racket is. As yep. if they call it a fine. <laughs> and so people think, oh, there was accountability. What bullshit? Who who was the chief counsel for Monsanto for 15 years? Ooh. Clarence Thomas. I'm just gonna oh. right. How many people know that? Okay. So even if your case goes to the Supreme Court, what's going to happen? Clarence Thomas is going to take those. Get we're all going to go golfing. He's going to say, yeah. "Come on, come on." <laughs> this is the one. You know how he said, "I give you one, you give me one." Hey, you know, know when's uh, the last time a Supreme Court me? justice recused themselves from a case? Like, <laughs> can they do that? Well, they can go to Texas and get murdered, like Scalia oh, did. <laughs> Texas murder. Uh, for the audience, uh, Charlie, can you, uh, if anyone's not familiar with your work, can you let them know who you are and the sure. stuff hi. that you do, man. Hi, audience. How are you? My name's Charlie. I do a, uh, I'm a, I'm a writer. I wrote a book in 2017 called The Octopus of Global Control and went out on the road promoting that book for what seemed like years. And through the act of doing that, I wound up on a on a bunch of podcasts and and wound up on Tony Merkel's podcast. And he said, you need to do your own show. And I said, that's great. But I don't really know how to do all the back end stuff. He says, I'll do all that. You do the talking. Nice. So that turned into macroaggressions in 2020. And um, <laughs> thank you, Tony. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. It's good. That yeah. You yeah. Had a Charlie, Rob yeah. Charlie Robinson is the real deal, man. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. Thank well, you, Chris. I mean, Tony Merkel makes me sound legitimate though. So he, he does all, he makes it all, sound all pretty in the back end, but that, yeah, that, that's so since then I've written a couple more books. I wrote a book called the controlled demolition of the American empire with Jeff Berwick and, um, macroaggressions turned into 
the Union of the Unwanted. Thanks for coming on a couple of weeks ago. That was fun. That was and a lot of fun, man. Yeah. It, that that's Sam Tripoli from Tinfoil Hat and Midnight Mike from OBDM and uh, Ricky yes. Verandis from The Ripple Effect. And we have a good little round table going there that we mix up all the time. So, you know, listen, I just started as somebody that that had a deep interest in this stuff. And one day my mom asked me a very simple question. This is all very interesting. You've got all this information. It's really fascinating. What are you what the hell are you it? doing with it? Yeah. Thank you, and, mom. You know, and you go, nice. See, you Lisa, that's a good mom, right? You, well, you, I mean, it was a, it was, you know, sometimes it's those real easy questions that kind of stump you. And I yes. was like, well, what am I going to do with this? I don't like, I, it never even crossed my mind that I had a role in any of this. I was just an observer, uh, somebody that was interested in it, but I didn't have any sort of particular. And I thought, well, you know, well, maybe I could, I don't really know how to produce you know, like a movie or a TV show or anything like that. So maybe I'll just do some writing. And so that's how the octopus came out. It, it came out of me quietly writing that. And then uh, about halfway through the process, I decided I was going to keep my mouth shut about writing it at first because I didn't know I'd finish it. Then the second half was I knew I was going to finish it. I just didn't want someone to, to stop me from finishing. I felt like I was right on to something. And that that one came out and I think a lot of people connected with it cuz the format's easy. It's got 700 quotes from 500 different people that have that have been a witness to some of this insanity like the Clintons and the Bushes and the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and all those people that you would expect the Kissingers yeah. you read these quotes about what they're talking about. But then also like Bill Hicks and George Carlin and Joe Rogan and the people that that also see this, but they see it from a different angle and they can find the humor in it. So it's a serious book about a variety of topics, but it's done in a way that is keeps you kind of hanging in there. There's some dark humor. I mean, there's some, it's, it's pretty absurd, the things that are happening in this world. And when you catch these people talking about it, I mean, you catch a Kissinger national security memo from 1974 where he's saying that our policy towards the third world should be that of depopulation you go what <laughs> you know you're like you're like wait a second this is this can't be real right sounds and it's like, no, you can't make that shit up <laughs> sounds yeah, you like can't, an explicit you, warning yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah right answer. exactly okay. lisa you can't make that up i'm like people are like oh you're making this up like don't flatter me I don't have that good of a imagination to make this stuff. This is, I'm not making, this is Henry Kissinger. You can read the, the memo. He, he, would you like me to name the 13? I mean, it's like, it's there. And, and so the I, monsters it, of industry too, that you bring up there, Charlie, because also if you look at just like, I learned about Esperanza through William Shatner. The, the Esperanza is the universal language it is supposed to be. And Shatner speaks a bit of it. And uh, that came about because Shatner also believed, and maybe he still believes this. Uh, is he still alive, Chris? Am I? Am I? <laughs> yeah, he's still alive. He's oh, okay. just and still <laughs> so, working too. He's I did a, that with Richard husband. Belzer a while back, and then he did pass. Yeah, so I'm trying not yeah, to do that to anybody else. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah Richard Belzer's dead. I did a tribute to him. Thank you, Chris, and that was awesome. No, but the um, no, the William Shatner thing though is that he believed in the world being too overpopulated. And that we needed population control. And this was a popular thing that was put out in the media, especially back in uh, before my era, even. And if you follow that to its extent and where it came from, it came from industry, it came from Rockefeller, and it came from all these other Club of Rome like type of entities that that sort of espouse these sort of like population control beliefs. You look at the Galton Institute uh, and, and things of that nature in this country. 
And it's like, no wonder that like everything that we experience media through in this world, whether it be your Windows computer or your Apple or your um, your your entertainment choices of the three different major companies that own all of the other media, yeah. that that pretty much that they all agree and align with those same beliefs, you know. And you 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 just you, you describe them, Charlie, as the octopus of global control. I call them the global corporatist oligarchy. People call them different things, yep. but like that's that's a pattern that seems that your your work even is an homage to the the work of the past too that have talked about a similar concept like that like a hydra type of concept yeah. right oh for sure like the octopus symbology i mean danny Casalero wrote a book called the octopus yes when he was when he I was, was 44 say. i wrote i wrote the octopus when i was 44 i, I didn't wind up in a bathtub somewhere you know what i mean but yeah. it crossed my mind there's yeah. a quote in the book one of my favorite quotes is from John Francis Highland, the mayor of New York City, is talking about the sprawling octopus with its tentacles extending into the courthouses and media and 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 big business and banks and all this stuff. And he says, let me escape from mere generalizations. I'm speaking of the Rockefeller Standard Oil interests. And you read that quote, and that's from 1922. Yeah. So like the the concept and the uh, and the symbolic octopus has mm -hmm. been around for a while and it's a perfect one. If you think about it, because this is an animal that is, it looks like an alien, right? It doesn't look like it's even from here. It's so is it smart. Is like a kraken? Well, the intelligence yeah. <laughs> of it is uncanny. So smart. One of those, yeah, you very, very smart. People would be surprised at how intelligent they are. If they can fit their eyeball through it. Yeah, they can. Uh, they can, and they can get their entire body through. So they can, they, they can spray ink and disappear. They can stay and fight and grab you and destroy you with a hidden beak that you don't see until it's too late. Yeah. They can camouflage themselves and blend into the background. They They're can change their color. fighting game character. <laughs> they can change their texture. They can change all kinds of things about them. And they're very slippery and they can get away. So you start to think about this and you go, that's them. I mean, it's in an animal form. It's it's got all it's 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 very devious and very smart and very strategic and very slippery. And you don't see them too often, but when you do, it might be too late. And so there's a lot, a lot of this, um, you know that that. And, and again, like I'll hold this up because this is the cover of the book. This is uh, the oc the octopus. Um, I love the visuals covering too. the world, but this this is borrowed. That yeah. image, that cartoon image is borrowed from the National Reconnaissance Office NROL-39 uh, spy satellite flight. That was the logo for their spy satellite flight. And instead of it That's saying the, oct the octopus <laughs> of global control, yeah. instead above the top and above the bottom, it says nothing is beyond our reach. So, so this is the spy satellite that they use the octopus even. So... Um, and I just changed the colors to red, white, and blue instead of yellow and, and replaced the, the suckers on the bottom with the uh, American white stars, you know? So, so that's, but, but the, the, you know, this is something that they know about. This is something that is only hidden to the extent that people don't search for it and don't know to look for it, but it's very much there. A lot of these, uh, don't look for it either, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you go down that path, you 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 wake up to this stuff, and that's it. Not everybody wants to remove Jason's mask and see what his face really looks like underneath. <laughs> it's it's pretty gross. Uh, no, I do. 
I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're friends. <laughs> we both want to do that. Jason Voorhees, different makeup artist. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Chris. But, uh, Charlie, we, we brought you here to talk a little bit about um, what's going on in Maui. Um, but we yeah. were finishing up a, a story, though, about COVID-19. And I was about to get to a part where in the poll, they really harp on how people believe in the effects of the shots on people's fertility mm-hmm. and how they're deeming that as misinformation about it. They're already framing it in the article and in the poll even about how it, it's misinformation that people believe about these things happening with fertility hasn't it been documented already that there's been effects on fertility <laughs> well they lie in the media constantly and, and never no, no they no <laughs> they 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 thank you for the acting lisa really they 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 don't th- that messaging isn't for us no we no, know that they're lying not, yeah. and they know that they're lying it's not for us it's for 40% of the population that just casually takes a look at it. They put that in their in, in their brain. They go, oh, um, oh, it turns out, yeah, any of those people that were saying that it causes fertility problems, yeah, it turns out that that was a lie. Okay, on to the next, and then they're they're gone. That's it. That's, that's the 10-second window that they have with those people. That's who it's for. That person that wrote the article or that talks about that wouldn't last five minutes in a debate with us. No, we would just destroy they, them. They don't know how to identify logical fallacies. And I learned quite a bit from a great YouTube channel uh, called Counter Arguments, um, Mm. where during COVID especially, I I watched a lot of the back catalog of that creator. And it goes into all different sorts of scenarios where people in politics and even in entertainment sort of use these tropes over and over again to get over on people. I'm a big wrestling mark, so I I say some carny (laughs) words every once in a while. But um, yeah, it just, it gets over on people. It gets past people's sort of, uh, you know, receptors for bullshit because they don't really and have never been taught how to really think or break down something critically. And I think, Mm -hmm. Charlie, the reason why you reverse engineered back up to the octopus and found that as as sort of the source of a lot of our modern woes is because just like what when watching a chessboard, like you you learn how the pieces move, but you're also trying to judge the other person's motivations for wanting to move to that certain place. You're hoping that they act and behave in a certain manner or way. It's so funny that you say that and that you also mentioned the carnival component to this, because this is how I've always described my awakening was that. After, you know, and I knew 9-11 was nonsense a couple of years after. The Iraq war really did it for me when they started, you know, I I knew things were off. But again, you only know what you know, and you don't understand the full scope of things. And so I'm, I'm, I'm living in Las Vegas. I'm working in in real estate and I'm, I'm in it. Right. But I, and I see that everything, everything's booming and it's great. And then the, the crash comes and I was so disappointed in myself because here I am in it and I couldn't see it. Like I yeah. knew that it wasn't going to stay hot forever, but I assumed it would just kind of taper off and that would, we'd still pull people from Southern California that wanted to get out and that the market wouldn't maybe wouldn't continue to go up, but it certainly wouldn't crash. And, and what I realized was that I didn't understand money. I didn't understand wall street. Really? I didn't understand the financial game. And so when I, the way I described it to people was that, I felt like the guy that was getting that kept losing three card Monty. And and I just I just decided I'm not playing anymore, but I want to go around the other side of the table and you guys just show me how this scam works. 
I want to understand it, you know? And so that the, the, the scam I was talking about was money, but the way I, I, I felt like I was a sucker at a carny game that couldn't yep. figure out that the game was totally rigged. That's and where then the term mark comes from. Cause they would mark your back with some chalk or something, pat you on the back and they'd know that you're the mark. You're the dumb guy coming in going, wow, look at all was this me. stuff. Yeah, that was me. I, I, yep. I got burnt. I made money and then lost it all in the dot-com stuff, uh, made money and lost it in the oil. There was oil that was spiking in like 2005, 2006 did well, then lost on that lost two, bought two houses, sold a bunch, sold 350 houses in, in like four years there did really well, lost both my houses. So I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Clearly the game is rigged and I'm bad at it. I want to get better. Explain to me how it works. That's that's so, so that started me down the path of trying to understand money and finance. And then that of course leads to every, you know, sort of everything else. And with knowing that nine 11 was kind of an inside job and inside and outside job, um, I was already sort of down that path already. I just needed to add more skills. I need to know about money. I need to know about this. I need, you know, so I started adding it on, but it came out of a deep desire to not be a sucker anymore. And I think a lot of people out there are suckers. Reacting and, to and failure. maybe they're not as offended by that as I was. I was mortified that I was that dumb to fall into that. And I just was determined that that was never going to happen again. And the only way it was either going to, it wasn't going to happen was I needed to understand the game and I needed to understand like everything else behind the game too. And so, so here we are. So if you, if people are going to have these arguments with, you know, a, a, about, covid with with people or they're gonna you know you're gonna trust what's written in your in your nightly you know in the in the papers or in, or, or hear what you you know what you hear on the nightly news like i hate to break it to you but you're the sucker if you're trying to figure out who the sucker is in this whole equ- equation it's you yeah the bottle and it's, bottle it's embarrassing but the most the more embarrassing thing is to come to that realization and then just go eh, oh well i guess i'm just a sucker no you got to do something about it you have to educate yourself. It has to piss you off to the point where you say, never again. Like, uh, I don't expect to get everything right, but I'm certainly not going to make, I'm not going to fall into these obvious traps of but trusting the media, listening to what the media, man, if you listen to what the media says about anything, you're going to be at the back of the line on, on, on every, you're going to be the last person to figure it out. You're going to be the sucker that's throwing softballs and putting out, give me five here. Here's another $5. I'm going to get these milk bottles yeah, knocked milk over. Bottles ain't falling over. Bro. They're not falling <laughs> over, but more money will fix that. I, Cause I yep. know I'm smart. You know, I you, oh. more money voting harder, whatever, you know, you know what's worse than that though. Is, trusting is, people even like us, Lisa, sometimes, <laughs> you know, cause like you should hard. do your own shit too. Right. I mean, the but, conservative game okay well, yeah but i mean <laughs> i i see i see a lot of it because i mean i think that i probably fall on more of like the liberty side of anything like if you're going to put me on a, a grid or map okay but uh when i see things like happening on the right they fall for the same fucking logical fallacy so so every fucking time oh yeah They're just like, different just, flavors yeah, yeah just different absolutely. flavors the 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 republic the right side is just it's a lot of barbecue sauce on there on their the left is like hazelnut to me i really don't like it most occasions there's like right. one occasion like i was thinking more like shit, shit and piss but that is yes, because i'm a classy guy 
Well, we all gargle with different things, Chris, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know what particularly bothers me though is you know, we see everything that's you know, with the, the Trump indictments and so forth, and everybody's you know, an uproar about I just fucking laughed yesterday, Lisa. That's all. Like when when Chris sent me the Giuliani thing, thank you, Chris, for sending me that. Cause that's just that's just entertainment to me. Cause this right, is faux I politics. Like this isn't even a real thing. Like if you think that the rather the the uh if you thought that the civil case against Trump was absolute bullshit, that anything that they're holding here right now is just keeping him in the running. Keeping him in the running, getting Giuliani money into his coffers. For obstruction of justice and 9-11 evidence, in my opinion. I mean, yes. I mean, we should have definitely did a full anal cavity search on him when he turned himself in. Oh. <laughs> um, with like a guy that has mitts, like he competes in the world's strongest man. Like somebody like uh, a Mark Felix. Like I, he's one of my favorite strong men because he's an old man and old men have amazing grip. And um, yeah. And uh, he's he's a he's a big black fella with gigantic fucking hands. And he does. He does this thing called the Hercules hold, and he will hold like a thousand pounds in each hand for like minutes, like it's nothing. Ooh, I love it. Have, have him uh, have him check out Rudy though. Make That's sure that there's no too. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that there's no like Sandy Berger nine eleven documents hidden deep up in there, you know, and just maybe just yeah. poke around a little bit, see what you can find. But, uh, <laughs> but transitioning but where, into something, yeah, go ahead, Lisa. Where, where is the uproar? I mean. They say, okay, well, everybody's going to be protesting for, for Donald Trump and so forth. And, you know, there's this big uproar, supposedly. Where is the uproar for we, the forgotten people, that has been happening to day in, day out for decades? No I one mean, gives a shit about that. Could we that, be looking though, right? at it astroturfed on both ends here? Could we just, could we accept that that's a plausible scenario? That both the uh, reaction to the Donald Trump thing and also the actions against uh, one Donald Trump, also known as Orange Jesus or Flaming Cheeto Penis, um, that you know those both both of those things could be completely gimmicked. They could be completely worked since we were talking about Carney stuff and everything and what people fall for. Like our buddies in AM Wake Up uh, posted something where it was just like the people out protesting for Trump and they just said bah. Bah, which was perfect but um you know i i i get it though because i used to fall into that camp of just like oh we got to get him this election and then i had a couple elections happen and then i looked at that pattern of behavior and i looked well this is fucking stupid what the hell am i doing with myself like started for me with um the with george w bush getting oh, in, in the wow, al gore yeah. stuff and you just you you went they go well florida is going to be the deciding factor and you know the bush family basically runs florida so it's going to be george w bush i was like that's how we breaks pick, that's how we pick <laughs> the president yes. what i didn't realize was that all that was pro wrestling uh, you know what i mean oh, he yeah. was the president he was going to be the president from the beginning because they had big plans for him he was the type of guy that was going to be you know moved aside and well, in Mr. Florida. Mr. Richard Cheney, too. And I'll give it up yeah. to Rage Against the Machine, who I know uh, friend Billy Ray is a big fan of, too, um, for having an amazing video pointing out that those candidates, Al Gore and George Bush, were basically the same fucking thing. <laughs> like, they pointed out the Uniparty a long time ago. I may vehemently disagree with many of the things that come out of Tom Morello's mouth, except for the fact that Black Sabbath fucking rules. 
um and that's, <laughs> you know and those types of things so we would definitely get along on the riffs i got I, I love i love the man and his riffs but uh yeah they nailed it with with pointing out the uniparty a long time ago and i i hear it echoed a lot now um but the thing is like i see people that are isolated in these blue states like you talked about you know who owns this territory well, I got some friends, Charlie, uh, right now, and we interviewed uh, our, our good friend Jessica Priya last week um, about what's going on in Maui. And the state of Hawaii has been solely owned by the Democratic Party for 50 years. So that anyone that's just seeing things that the Democratic Party has done and can be held accountable for in that time, which you can imagine a multitude of different things and arrangements of people, right? But now that they're aligning towards more of the Republican Party there, but even they get their asses served, you know, because it's still it's so entrenched. It's just like certain territories like Chicago and other places like that or the way that New Orleans was New Orleans, <laughs> how they say it, um, you know, but I so I don't know if I can even hold out hope that they could eventually get their shit together enough to vote hard enough to even get Republicans, which suck in power there. So it's really hard for me to say what the political solution is, unless it's a new one. And I'm down to hear all ideas. So, I mean, with someone with a background like yourself that had some experience there uh, that I heard about on the Amazing America Unplugged show uh, hmm. that you were a part of, uh, which uh, was that 101 technically? Because <laughs> they forgot yeah. the, the 100. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was episode 101. That on there too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> That was one DIY of one. media, folks. When we're self-produced, sometimes you know we get our I weeks mixed wanna, up. I, I kind of <laughs> wanted to see Mr. Robinson talk to Mr. David Knight after that. I would, uh, I would like to as well. I've never met David Knight. <laughs> David, Knight. I had neither, and I was able to actually thank him about the the Alex Jones of it all. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't met David Knight. I love his work. Yeah, that we were talking a, a little bit about, uh, you know, about maui on on that that program i don't know if we how much we really went into it there was a lot of people on the call but maui is a very important place to me personally yeah. I, i've been going there my entire life um i was just there in october sell it for my 50th birthday uh took my daughter there for the first time she for the first time for her and because you know, it was like, well, where do we want to go for this? And I said, listen, if it's up to me, like it's got to be Maui. That's that's my favorite place. That's where I have my my will says that my ashes are to be scattered off the coast of Maui from a boat leaving from Lahaina. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's been when my father passed away when I was 16. Um, a couple weeks after that, we got to a Christmas break for my junior year of high school. And my mom and I needed to get away. And so we went to Maui for a couple of weeks because we knew that's where we could get our heads straight after what had just happened. And so we rented a place. Maui's always been a place where I go if if things, if I need to get a handle on things or if I just want to have a beauty, you know, if there's just a beautiful place to relax and go, uh, you know, the people there are super cool. The they And the people there have a very... You know, the, the, if you, if you're dealing with them in a, in a service capacity, very nice, you know, not, not, if you get, if you talk to the Hawaiian people kind of off the record and the guy that made my logo, 
my macroaggressions logo is a Hawaiian guy. And I had him on my show. His name's Alika. He's a cool guy. I think like eight generations, his family's been in Hawaii. The Hawaiian people have a very uncomfortable relationship with the American government. They don't talk about it too much. They don't get into it too much, but they don't fully trust them. There's some normie Hawaiians that are like Democrats. Hillary Clinton's going to save us. Obama is from Hawaii. He's got to be on our side. There's those, of course. But there is an undercurrent of distrust, and there should be. I'm not saying that they're wrong for it. In fact, I'm saying I'm, I would say people go back and listen to. I did a, an episode probably a little over two years ago called "The Dark History of the Aloha State" with Alika Spawn Naihi, and he laid it out there, man. And he said, "Listen, the way that America got involved with Hawaii was nefarious and was bullshit to begin with." So, well, like, wasn't Lahaina the capital? It was the Hawaiian cultural capital of it for a long, long time. Like when, so like as an example, like God, it's so crazy to me because we were just there and like we were going to get on a boat and go to Lanai, which is one of the islands out there, and and you got you got to get on the boat early, so you got to park, and you get and so the parking areas are in the residential subdivisions you know like they're in the they're where the homes are you know and there's just like there's a lot and they've turned it into a parking lot you can fit 15 cars there and whatever so that's where you park and then you kind of zigzag and walk through those homes so it's like front street in lahaina where all the bars and and art galleries and uh clothing stores and shave ice and all that stuff. that's front street it's right on the water and and that's but but a a block a block and a half, two blocks inland from that. That's where the people live. It that's not where there's no hotels there. That's not like the Mount, the, the Marriott's 10 miles North in Kanapali, the, 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 the island, you know, the Kanapali beach with all, with the, you know, a bunch of, of hotels. That's not Lahaina. Lahaina is not a place where you stay overnight. Lahaina is a place where you go to dinner, maybe have lunch, but you know, there's art galleries and you do all that stuff. You buy some touristy things. It's beautiful. And then you leave and go back to your hotel, but the yeah. locals live there. And so when we were parking, I remember walking by and there's this like school, like a low level one, you know, like a, like a nine foot ceiling kind of building that looked like in, and it said like the, I want to EEP, whatever yeah, school established 1906. And I remember thinking, I might've even said something to it. Like, could you imagine sitting in that classroom trying to learn algebra when you could see out the window that there's like waves like this great surf going on i mean it was right on the ocean it was like you go out outside and like i would imagine for recess you could go down and play in the in the water if you wanted i mean it was that close and and i remember thinking what a trip that must have been and by the way 100 years 100 years it's been here it's all gone it's all gone and so I could have I, never have learned algebra in those conditions. Not never. I mean, barely, barely under, under pristine <laughs> com conditions, yeah, certainly not in, yeah. in Lahaina, uh, you know, with the, with Charlie. surf break. Charlie. My daughter, my daughter's named after the road to Hana, H-A-N-A. I did the road to Hana on a Harley oh, back in, so it, back in, in, in 98 with two of my buddies. And it was one of those, one of those times where very, very rarely it happens, but like, you know, like it, during that moment, I knew I was in the middle of one of the things I would never forget for the rest of my life while it was happening. And that road to Hana takes like, 
you know, it takes like hours to get there. It's a zigzaggy turn. And if you're, if you do it in a car, you'll probably get car sick, but we rented Harleys and did it on that, which is baseball caps backwards and sunglasses Amazing. and let's go baby and like I mean, we did I was there in 1998 doing the road to hana yeah, i was there i was there in october of 98 as well or the last week of september of 98 and i remember that with with my friend again i just have these connections to this place that i don't i don't belong there i never lived there i'm not hawaiian i don't have yeah, that attachment feeling, i would never right? yeah. i would never pretend to have any sort of like connection to that place other than what i've whatever i've decided for myself the connection is just a ton of visits and 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 i took a great picture oh man i i, I mean i should put charlie it are, are we yeah, going, here, let me get out a screen we, share and that we, way yeah. you can show us something see if i could find one where uh, yeah go ahead chris yeah and chris now, had something yeah are we uh without giving it away um are we about 10 years apart? Because uh, my birthday is towards the end of the first week of October. So I'm uh, sept September 29th. Okay, I'm October wow. 7th. Okay, yeah, I, I was wondering if oh, you were a fellow yeah. Libra. Not that it matters. but I, I am a fellow Libra. Okay, cool, cool. We just need a third and we got a perfect circle song here. I know. I'm glad we're all old enough to get that joke. Um, <laughs> now with, uh, with, with Charlie. Yeah. If you have any pictures from that, uh, Harley ride, by the way. Oh, the Harley ride. Yeah. I can find that. Uh, well, I will gladly group. put those on the TMP document vault. Cause we have uh graves with graves where graves goes to, um, different, uh, famous people's graves like Bill Cooper. We uploaded his Bill Cooper photos of Bill Cooper's mm -hmm. grave. Um, yeah, people like to see that stuff because like traveling um, these days is a bitch. Like to get around. Tony Ardeburn went to. Um, I was. We were about a week apart. Yeah. You went. To, you went to Bill I Cooper's. Didn't, the, I didn't know Tony was going there either. Yeah, I went. Shout to out Bill, to Tony. Yeah, I shout out to, to Tony Ardeburn. Tony actually broadcast from uh, Bill's driveway too. I went up that driveway, but I didn't want to get my ass shot. So I got yeah, out of there. I got out of there fast. But that's yeah. funny. Um, I remember when we were doing that that road to Hana on the motorcycles. I was with two of my buddies. It's still good friends, still friends I just saw in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we saw this. There was this big gr grass hill and a cross right like halfway up there it was beautiful the way it was set up and i was like we got to stop like we stopped and i took a picture of it i was like dang this is this place was that was just like it was too scenic to to drive by and miss it and i didn't think anything of it and i didn't i didn't know anything about the place and like a year later uh one of the guys that was with me was my roommate a year later we were watching behind the music vh1 behind the music oh, and it had chris christopherson chris christopherson was on it oh man yeah and they showed his house in maui that oh, was it oh shit we had stopped and taken a picture and they showed it and i was like oh, well i was like i've got that picture that's it that's that was his house and we were both like sitting on the couch like oh my god that's it i went grab my photo album pulled it out and i was like that's it that's his house so it's like the early 2000s that's so awesome yeah. man uh, gonna, next time you check out that picture, the, uh, put on uh, Sunday Morning Coming Down. That's my favorite Chris Christopherson song. That's that's an amazing song, dude. I Sunday Morning Coming Down. Amazing. 
That's a good hangover song. (laughs) (laughs) I can get you some pics of Red Sand Beach up there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's... I I almost... It's a different planet, right? The orchids, like just the environment. But what, what you talked about just being that close to the ocean, like, Chris, we grew up watching action movies where people would constantly run off of something and jump in the water to escape fire. (laughs) Um, Imagining having to do that with your fucking family (laughs) while sitting in a car that's being blocked by police and uh, whatever the local power company is up there. It sounds like a living hell. Being forced into that position, because what I'm seeing now, and like this is something that uh, David Knight and our friend Guard Goldsmith has been doing great work on too, um, talking about the the AP story that came out, the admission that people disobeying the orders that they were given is what saved their lives. Exactly. It's something, you know, that is, that's a paradox that when I got to talk to our friend Guard Goldsmith that we talked about, because that's, that's pointed out in one of the episodes of The Prisoner famously. When they talk about pop uh, protecting other people, the yeah. the idea that whenever we put these entities in place and these measures and whatever plans in place, that we just automatically assume that they're there to protect us, that these are these are right. meant to be benevolent, right? Well, this so, is meant in our honor. <laughs> our integrity. So let's just remember, people were told to go back to their offices in this in the uh, in World Trade Center Tower Two. That's right. Uh, just remember that. And there were people that said, no, I don't like what I, I'm seeing people drop to their deaths from a thousand feet in the air. I'm going to go home. Yeah. And they survived. You, you Listen, uh, I will tell this to be, we are taught at an early age that you must listen to authority. I will tell you right now, do not comply with unjust rules. Okay. You are in charge of yourself. Do not ever outsource that to the government, to the state, to people that don't know more than you. If you get a bad feeling about something, if you say, I'm out of here, you you make that decision. Don't You don't ever owe anybody an explanation. Someone says, you got to get back into that office and everything's fine. And you don't feel comfortable about it. You don't go. The cops are saying, you got to turn around and go back. You know what? Arrest me. Arrest me. But I'm out of here. And people don't that, seek help from the government either, because that's a big rock. And, and, and if you want to go down the dark, dark rabbit holes, you know, it, in a situation like that, you just you do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But but in retrospect, when we start to look at some of the decisions that were made, like Chris mentioned, we're going back into those towers and going back into the staying into the fires. I mean, they need a body count. Okay. If these are ma- made to be manufactured events, obviously we know 9-11 was, there's questions about Maui, but if that is the intention for this to be a ma- then they need a body count. Yeah. So they are in, in, in actuality sending you back into danger because now that, that guy probably, that guy working there is probably being told in his earpiece, tell him that, you know, they can't get, you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not going to say that the, the, that the, the cop there is in on the big plan. He's doing what he's told, but what he's told to do is keep those people there. And the but reason wait, why for a moment, need... isn't that the problem following orders? I mean, come of on, right, right, right there. Well, it's human gimmick though. It's using uh, an inherent thing that like sort of gets all of us, but Chris, go ahead. Sorry. Charlie, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you ended up watching the remainder of the, uh, of last week's America unplugged episode. I have no, I haven't seen that second half 
yeah. it came it came up that it's possible. I mean, without any Wayne McCroy went into this presentation about the occult aspect of uh, Maui or possible mm -hmm. occult aspect, and I wasn't even aware that. Apparently, they sent home a whole bunch of children. From oh school. yes. Yes, that's and these children burned alive, and mm -hmm. Wayne McCroy made the observation that, in a way, it's it kind of fits the uh, <laughs> the blood sacrifice kind of thing that you know a lot of us have feelings about, especially with things like nine eleven or Columbine well, or shootings or whatever. My, so, go ahead. Is it, you, is the picture I just sent you via okay. email. If you pull Excellent. that up. Yeah. Awesome. You'll see you'll see me sitting at a park bench and there's uh overlooking the the valley in in Maui. On the left, there's a there's a mountain. What we did after that photo was we went and got on horseback and did a, a guided horseback tour down around this area that's like uninhabited like it's real like no tourists are there, right? It, it it was a bitch to get there. It took us an hour and a half just to get there on a small island. And then we took these horses down and they, and then we, as we got close to that mountain, that's kind of on the left of, of that photo, the guy said, look up there at the very top. Do you see that flat part? And I was like, yeah. And they said, do you see that? It looks like a table up there. I was like, yeah. And they said, that's where they used to do sacrifices. And I was like, what? really? And he said, <laughs> oh yeah, it was huge in the, in the Hawaiian culture for, for Holy blood God. sacrifices. And I was like, like, and I, my daughter, I'm like, don't, don't listen, but I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, on the record not, skips and not, it becomes a death metal record. <laughs> but not right. unlike the Mayan uh, sacrifices, right? Oh, yeah. It's exactly where my mind went with the guy. I said, like the Mayans, and he's like, Yeah, it was it was it was bad. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was that component to it. So when you talk about rituals, when you talk about sacrifices, human sacrifices, children, all that stuff that you know, you get into some really dark territory, but just so you know, there that okay, yeah, that picture right there. There is precedent for that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, man. there Look is precedent view, for though. it. In yeah, that's a pretty killer view. Super awesome view, man. I'm glad you got to experience that too. Like that, the thing about traveling is the vantage points. Like we, we talk a lot about, you know, how you can look at different things. And I think that all of us, you know, we originate in different areas. We travel to different areas like this. We meet different people in different cultures. And it's also something really weird that you brought up about um, how, you know, just like the, the way that people in Lahaina lived as locals versus the outside sort of people. And that mm -hmm. that isolation in itself is what creates sort of differences in culture and subcultures, right? So like when you go to areas like that, the uniqueness about them and the thing about them is sort of their isolation, They're the, the us versus them thing. And that's not a bad thing all the time. No, you they, know, you, they, they know each other. Yes. Obviously. It's a tight little circle down there. It's not big. That island is like... You go down there, you know, if you're there for a week on vacation and you go to, you, know, you go down to front street and go to chemo's for dinner, you know, and you go twice or like where we jokingly did like on in, in 98, when we went, um, we kept going to chemo's down on, uh, on front street for, for dinner. We went in one, there's a guy out there playing guitar, you know, like out on the patio. Yeah. During this trip. And, um, and and he was playing that that song "The Way" by Fastball, and they played it the first time we went in there. They played it the second time we went in there, and then like the third time we were going in, we're like, 
it, it, I guarantee you they're, they're going to play. We're going to walk in. They're going to be playing fastball the way, you know, we walked in, they're doing it. So it's a little bit like groundhog day okay? because th there's, there's not a lot going on, you know, yeah. and you see the same people. And like, if you're there just for a week, you start to see even the same kind of tourists out there, but the yeah. locals that live there. And by the way, Maui, number one place for people to go on vacation as a tourist, go home, sell all their shit and move back to Maui. Number one. Wow. People just say, I never Fuck. want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but the locals all, they know each other. There's a different set of, I wouldn't say different set of rules, but there's a different, I think there's a different set of prices to it's be honest with you. There's a, it still exists. It's still, it, it, yeah. It's, there, it's there's a local it's, discount yeah, that's kind of like, you know, we got you sort of thing. It's a tight community. It and it's devastating for them. That's the road to Hana. That yeah. Charlie, that Charlie, how long is the air, is that flight from Los Angeles? Five hours. Five hours. Okay, so that's like me coming from Massachusetts to LA. So it's basically yeah. the same thing. Okay. Yeah, and as somebody that grew up in Southern California, like I did, if you go on a vacation, you're going to go to if you're if you're in Southern California and you want to go someplace tropical like that you've got mexico as an option and you've got hawaii yeah not you don't get a whole lot of people from new york going to hawaii it's just geographically a little <laughs> bit you get new yorkers going to florida you right. get them going to the caribbean you know they go straight down but but for us in, in in southern california we would go to hawaii and that and that became um not just maui but like i mean to put it in perspective my relationship with hawaii is so bizarre that when I was, um, this was 1983. So I was, was I was 10. Uh, we I was, are basically 10 years apart. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. Thought. Yeah. I was born in 72. So in 1983, we were on the big island of Hawaii. And they had, um, I was there with my mom and my dad. My dad had been a, was a pilot, had been a flight instructor. He had taught people how to fly Cessnas. So we were there and he was um, renting a plane, flying around and doing his thing. And it was just a normal day. It was like, I don't know, I think it was either January, it was either spring break or Christmas break that we were there. And, um, he took off and I was with my mom and we were sort of staying in the car and we saw him land and, and sort of taxi the, the Cessna over kind of close to us, get out, run around frantically pointing at me saying, come here, come here, get out, get out of the car. And I was like, what? And so he, I ran over to the fence. He said, get out of it. He said, climb over the fence and get in the passenger side with me. Now this is 83. I think you can kind of do different things at the airports back then. I was like, what's going on? He said, <laughs> he said, Kilauea just started erupting. And I was like, what is that? So I, I climbed the fence. I told my mom, I got to go. I jumped the fence. I got in the Cessna. We took off and we went back up out to where he was. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I can hear in my headset that Kilauea just started erupting. Uh, as I was on my way back. So I wanted to grab you so we could go see it. We could go explore together. And so we did that. And we were the second plane above Kilauea when it started erupting. It started erupting in 1983. That day it started erupting. We were the second plane there. It is erupting to this day. It is still going 40 years later. So I, and, and, and we flew in circles around this 
exploding volcanoes. I'm looking out. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a Cessna, but it's like being in a Volkswagen <sighs> bug. Yeah. Yeah. Flying around. And the heat from that <laughs> is throwing the plane all over the place. I wanted to vomit. It was oh. like you were, I was strapped in, but I was like, I am flying in an airplane above an exploding volcano that has just started exploding. <laughs> and then, and then he, my dad made a calculation. He said, all right, we're sort of like at the tail end of our gas situation. So we need to head back. And so we were there for a while as we were going back to the airport, you know, you're sort of on like a sort of like a highway in the sky, you know, they sort of guide you as we're going back, we could see all the planes going towards it. Plane, plane, helicopter, 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 plane, plane. 50 of them coming in. Cause then, then it was all over the news. It's exploding. It's exploding. So then the media was coming. We were leaving as the media was getting there. So this relationship I have with the power of Hawaii is fucking wild to me. Yeah. Nothing any, can take the did, place did, of that vantage point. Go did ahead. Did any Kurt. aircraft uh, fall because of that? No. Okay. No, sorry. and I didn't, and I don't understand, and I'm not a pilot, and I don't understand the physics behind all that. I understand you've got to have lift, and I understand that you can't, you know, heat. but the, it, heat. the yeah. heat was, it rises, was yeah. picking us up and moving mm-hmm. us out, yeah. out of, I mean, it was wow. probably not the uh, you know, probably not where you'd want to be. I felt comfortable because my dad had a ton of experience. He taught people how to fly airplanes in and out of Anchorage. So if, I mean, I'm like, you could fly into Anchorage and in, in the middle of winter and land on a little plane, you can fly so around. you've been you to Alaska a whole bunch? What's that? You've been to Alaska a whole I've been, bunch? Yeah, I've spent, I've spent a summer in Alaska as well. Yeah. Well, can I ask you this? It's going to sound stupid to a lot of people, but... What do you think is more beautiful in terms of like nature Ooh. and temperature and everything? I heard Alaskan air is like the pure, some of the purest air, but then you got a Hawaii, which is like the sites and the soil being so rich. I, I'm a, I'm, I, I'm solar powered. Yeah. I need the heat. You know what I mean? So to me, yeah. it's, it's yeah. always going to be Hawaii, but, it, but to be fair, I spend an entire summer in Ketchikan and that's pretty tough to beat, you know, salmon fish beautiful there. I didn't spend a winter there, but, but, but it is, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's an experience. It is a, an experience like, oh. you know, in a boat, you know, going, you know, going salmon fishing, looking around watching like bald eagles fly by. Yeah. You're just like, Whoa, it, it, it's, it's tough to wrap your head around both of them. Really? And it's a different they kind both of have their pros and cons. Yeah, uh, Alaska know. has bears and fuck all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bears. Yeah. And 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 I and we came out. I remember being that during that summer where I was living there in Alaska. I had gone into the woods with this guy, this kid that I was that I was like ten or eleven back then too. Um, we were picking berries. There are berries everywhere. So we we had I was there in a motorhome with my grandparents, staying in a motorhome place for the summer and so i i would go in there with this kid we'd pick a bunch of berries and we'd sell them to all of the people that had motorhomes there right well we we were doing that we came out of the woods comics see and there's i know uh, uh, there's all these like people standing around right where we came out they're like oh thank god you came out we're like well, we were just getting berries. They're like, thank God you're, you guys are okay. We're like, we're fine. We were just getting berries. Like, what is the problem? They're like, oh, there's a huge bear in there. And we're like, oh no. <laughs> so, so, so they thought we were like 
getting, you know, like getting eaten by a bear. Or like, well, at least you bear. Were, we had no idea. You weren't, you weren't grizzly, like man, right? You weren't grizzly man. So you're, you're no, still here. No, I, no, we might, I'm, and I'm sure I would have tasted terrible too. So they, they, <laughs> they left me, they left me alone. But yeah, Alaska's beautiful. Hawaii, you know, it's just, oh, you, the, the, both of them created by volcanoes, you know, like a lot of, they were the last two to be added to the union, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And the last, last two, they still preserve their natural beauty. (laughs) Well, and you pointed out something really different there, right, Charlie, because that, that would put them along the ring of fire or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So is there something to that of having claim over areas that could harness that much geothermal energy? Well, you would you would like to think that they would they would uh, maybe utilize something like that, right? Right. I mean, because they do it in Iceland, don't they? I watched they, uh, oh, was yeah. the guy on uh, bizarre bizarre foods go over there and like whack a puffin and all the other shit, and he's eating like cod, you know, and they're talking about the geothermal energy that they're cooking the cod with. What the fuck? They were mining Bitcoin in in Greenland and Iceland and places like that. Actually, where was it? Greenland's got the ice and Iceland's got the green. So yeah, that's um, Mighty Ducks principle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But they were they're they're using um there's a ton of of options for energy there. Yeah, you would think that they would do that in Alaska. Instead, they've turned it into a harp facility and yeah. pulling oil out of the ground. But again, like geothermal energy sources in um Hawaii, yeah. I mean, why not? Why not tap into that? But um you bring but up don't something that I definitely want don't. to ask you about because that's being talked about like in this is that in your story where you talked about the bear. Now, if mm-hmm. nature creates a bear and that bear just so happens to find you in that thicket picking berries, that's your ass. I mean, that's the way life goes at times. Yeah. But what if the government created the bear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cocaine bear. Yeah. What if this is like a government genetically engineered cocaine bear coming after you? Then then who's responsible? Is it nature at that point or is it something else? Right. And how do we hold that thing accountable? Warren Buffett. Uh, uh, Warren, most Warren, Buffett. <laughs> Warren Buffett is behind it all. Lisa sued him one time. Legit. Did you really? I did. Yes. Uh, because... <laughs> uh, you tell. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring up that article there. Uh, six. Uh, oh, I'm gonna have to find. You have, have to, to find, find that article. Let me pull it up. Yeah. Here. Well, see, they're they're um, behind in Boston Jordan's furniture, mm-hmm. and so they have not- the IMAX, Lisa, and I enjoy the IMAX, especially with the Dark Knight pictures. <laughs> so, so what happened is, is Jordan's furniture was behind this. Uh, you know, they had this um, promo that actually is gambling and which I have no problem with per se. But what happened is, is I had a client who, who had a promo for some telephone cards. Okay. And you know how you have to do like no purchase necessary. Right. So he complied with all that, that rigmarole. And yet the feds supposedly uh, got him on a federal indictment. Okay. For gambling. Now, 20 years later, he's sitting uh, on his couch and he sees this promo <laughs> for, for uh, you know, the Red Sox thing with uh, Jordan's furniture. And mm-hmm. he's like, wait a minute. 
There's not even a no purchase necessary here. You have to buy the furniture in order to enter into this promo, which is gambling. So, you know, I get slapped for, for really not gambling. And yet I see this right here in my face that this company gets to do it outright. So... Uh, is this it here lisa jordan's furniture inc versus carter and burgess incorporated or is that another lawsuit that's another lawsuit damn there's so many lawsuits okay i'll have to (laughs) so so i so there was a statute that i that we were able to show that my something here that uh that was prohibited gambling and therefore uh my guy should have been is it sutton versus jordan's furniture no 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 frady uh joseph frady f-r-a-t-e for all those for all those out there that don't know it what they were doing was actual gambling jordan's furniture was is a uh famous furniture uh place in new england Barry and Elliot. (laughs) Well, Barry took off to produce plays on Broadway, but I think Elliot still does the commercials for it. But they were one of the first to have the IMAX, uh, their Natick Natick, Massachusetts location. And for Lisa to go up against them, it's kind of a big deal in New England. So uh, it's pretty impressive. And they're owned by uh, Berkshire Hathaway? Yeah. Yeah, they own uh, Arst- no. wow. so RC was- Willies too, which is a the Mormon based furniture company oh, as well. Okay. Yeah. So the whole premise was showing listen, if they, you know, apply the rules equally. All right. And so we were I was able, well, if you're gonna follow the law, it was gambling, but but uh, you know how it, the rig system and the courts go, right? If if you Warren Buffett, it, it, it don't matter. Right, he'll just throw you out of his his uh, shareholder meeting for mentioning the fact that he's giving money to Bill Gates. I don't know if you saw that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he had a, he had a meeting with uh, George W. Bush on uh, in two thousand one in September of uh, the eleventh on a Tuesday, I believe, too. I think Charlie Robinson knows that very well, right? Uh, yeah. Well, listen, there's uh I'm still trying to figure out Warren Buffett's role in 9-11. I really am. Yeah. It, what a what a what a he stayed under the radar for a pretty long time, but it's it's he can only play that. I'm a I'm just a I'm just an old guy from Omaha that likes my uh, uh that likes my uh, uh Dairy Queen and Big Macs, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, Charlie, have you ever seen the Showtime show Billions? Because I think that um, when you mentioned Warren Buffett and his role, Chris, that's immediately what I came to is like, what did, what did he have wagers on during this time? And and if someone like him so well connected had advanced knowledge of something like that coming well, down six, the pike. Well, six and 9-11, George W. Bush, the Secret Service was uh, saying that he had to go to Louisiana. Then he had to go to Nebraska, which is where Warren Buffett comes in. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he made his way back to Washington, D.C. to address the nation about 9-11. See, my, one of my core yeah, issues. climb around to tell people that shit's on? 
Yes. Is that what you're saying? You know, like, hey, we know. gotta have a little meeting. Shit's on. But uh, Charlie, the whole things. Have your shit whole, in order. Charlie, the whole angel is next thing. Mm-hmm. Which is uh basically code words for um we're gonna keep Bush in the air and we're gonna control everything that's going on on the ground. Angel is next was they they were claiming that Air Force One was one of the targets on 9-11 mm-hmm. of a hijacked airliner crashing into it. I think personally, just looking back on it, that that wasn't an actual threat, but it was an excuse for Bush to be in the air without going back to Washington, D.C. and to uh, confront what was going on, which was basically an attack on the nation. Uh, Charlie, I, I don't know what your take is on it, but um, I have a whole bunch of different articles and things, which I, I send to all kinds of. Chris, you're muted. It's I think that was, Cheney's, <laughs> that was Cheney's um, and not only uh, Carl Rove, mm. Carl Rove and Cheney. I think that was like the cover story for why. George W. Bush wasn't uh, more proactive on the ground in Washington, D.C. Am I wrong? In no, I think that- I, I think that whether whether you're talking about George W. Bush or you're talking about fighter jets or you're talking about all of these people that would have been high ranking that, that, that were pre-positioned out of the way in Alaska, in L.A. for a meeting and up north in Canada, that everybody that could have prevented it or made it you know last you know you know condensed the timeline instead of it happening over the course of hours and and, into minutes all those people were sent somewhere else george w bush being sent somewhere else was convenient because it 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 defaulted to the cog to cheney who took over who 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 went in there and said this is what we're doing. He changed a lot of that early on earlier that year so that he was the benefit so that he answered to it so that he ste- ste- stepped up and did that. Now, remember these guys, Cheney and Rumsfeld, they might've only been in the Bush administration for a year, but they'd been in the, the, the Nixon. administration in the, the Nixon administration in the seventies, man, they knew their way around there. They recycled out and went into big business, Halliburton, GD Serrell, wherever came back in and they built themselves a network of contacts during the 80s that would, were going to put them in a position that when they when they did finally get in there for uh, for 9-11, they hit the ground running. They, they didn't Including waste all over North, right? All over yep. North. All over North running uh, National Security Council, running night train, simulating what would happen in Central America if they invaded a fictional country a.k.a. Nicaragua, and what the response would be with the American public, Rex 84, where they say all those people that have a problem with what we've done in this fictional night train scenario, all those people, we have a we have a solution for them, a, maybe a final solution for them. We're going to round them all up and put them in American concentration camps. Now, that's 1984. That's, that's FEMA and, and National Security Council plotting that. And people go, get, get out of here. Like, oh, Oliver North was a hero. Oliver North plotted to have Americans put in concentration camps. He's no hero. He's a psychopath. And that group with that mentality, that's the group that went, they, they, they knew 
what 9-11 was going to be. Of course they knew what it was going to be. They planned it. The neocons and Zionists. Charlie, I get, I sent Donald, our mutual friend, Donald Jeffries, Oliver North's personal phone number. And he was scared shitless. And I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all I got to say. And that's a well-connected man there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the nine 11 thing goes back a long time. He can lie about some horrible war crime shit and still get a gig on Fox news, which started to chip away at the uh, illusion of Fox news for me when I was rather young too. like just learning about something like that. And I learned about more about Ollie North through the band Guar, which actually Dave Brocky, Ended up being on Fox News too. So I, I the world is oh my weird. God, I wouldn't have, dude. I wouldn't have connected those dots. Yeah, he's that's a, a Chris is good, man. He's not that good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah connecting Oliver North to Guar, like uh, that's that's gonna be my presentation. That's gonna be my presentation at uh, the Free World NYC. I'm gonna be like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, please, please yes. do that. We're gonna let's it. talk about Oliver North's connections to Guar. And Fox well, News. Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Make it happen, man. But we all get here from strange places. And, um, you know, when, when going back to uh, going back to the the Maui connection, though, speaking of strange connections and things of that nature, um, what is the what do you think is the government plan sort of in place here? Is this is is, is this a negligence? Because we had people on that were saying that word. Um, I don't know how to hold people accountable legally or something in the state of Hawaii and it necessarily how that works. So I don't know if the term negligence applies here, but from what you've gathered thus far, like wh- how would you pin this as far as the government's handling of what's happened in Maui thus far? Well, I mean, if it's negligence, it's like, it's like, n- n- it's negligence that's set up in such a way that like, how could you expect any other result other than this? It's like, it's not like, Oh, I accidentally left a knife on the table and it fell and landed on my foot. It's Gross like negligence, right? Lisa, that's had a hundred knives on the table. At, at They're the all you know, best, you know, gross negligence. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So right. like, you know, this is that I, you know, and my, my term that I keep using, it, it's the Rumsfeldian mistakes were made and I don't want oh. us to get to a place with this where we're like well you know mistakes were made power lines came down at the wrong time when there was wind and then they accidentally shut off the water and then they made a mistake with sending the people back into the fire and they when they you know mistakes were made no well listen i get it there there's a time when mistakes are made but if you are not holding people accountable for this, then then it it does a couple of things. First of all, it sends the wrong message. It sends the message like, well, you know, like you could screw up on a monumental level to the point where a hundred plus people are dead, including mostly children, and they'll let you keep your. You should be in handcuffs. I would put every single person in the government that was involved in this in handcuffs first. I would do what they do when they don't know what's going on. Everybody gets in handcuffs. Everybody gets separated. Everybody gets put in a cell. We'll sort this out one way or another. I want you guys talking. I want everybody talking, but nobody talking to each other. Okay. We're going to handle our protesters these days, the government right? <laughs> accountable, however. Right? Exactly. I, I, mean, I, I mean, this is the sick part. People actually think that that the court system, okay, that there's going to be justice 
to be had that, there. I, that's I, the problem. It's, 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 a, it's an illusion. It's an illusion of justice. It's it, it's a hundred percent that, but but when you don't even have when you're so far away from accountability that you don't even bother with the illusion of justice, like let's just admit where we are now. We're in I mean, a like a, a top down authoritarian uh, hell state where they can do whatever they want, and when they when they burn a bunch of kids alive. They just throw their hands up and say mistakes were made, move on. And if you question them, you're a domestic terrorist. Well, there's even questions there too, Charlie. Is that how they have they gathered these children? How many children are there? And even those why, simple questions. Why won't they answer the question? Not being answered. That's what oh, happens when you're yeah. a lawyer who actually questions the actual legal system, right? Or or a journalist. <laughs> I've seen I've seen journalists recently ask that, those questions. And talk we, about being thrown into the volcano. I would love to talk to those journalists too. They're asking those questions to see have they gotten anything out of these people? Like they seem so cold and calloused in their responses. And almost if you question them, they stare at you, kind of like Vince McMahon stared at Bob Costas back in the day when he asked them a question he didn't like. You know, you just you want to come back, make me motherfucker. You know, like just like they, he's just you can tell they're holding it back better than Vince certainly did. But yeah. you see the disdain for like the fact that you're not going along with what the, the bullshit that they're telling you of right. just like, yeah, there's a body count and it's 111, but you know, there's still like 1200 missing. Missing? They're they're fucking missing. Where'd they go? Like, hey, where, where are they? Yeah. You see, that's why they need cameras in the courtroom, because when you question the judge and then you can see that the, the steam coming out of his ears and the throat, you can see the veins popping from his uh, neck there. Yeah, that's what and, we need. And Charlie, you can imagine with, an, uh, with a culture that has experienced the types of things that the culture of Maui has with the American government, are the parents of these uh, Mauian children going to accept just from by word of the government that their child has been been passed, let's say, um, without evidence. Because what evidence could they even present? Are they going to present those? Are they going to identify people slowly through this process? And whatever horrors that that may be, that's that's unfathomable to someone like yeah. me. Look at the uh, World Trade Center. Well, yeah. I mean, are a lot of people just going to take it, take the word. That just like okay, this is how my son or daughter had left this earth, or also are people going to suppose these days because we have movies that are blowing up the box office about it? I've done podcasts with people that have talked about this subject, but also if the kids missing there are not missing in the same sense of them being passed, that's also something that I've heard, and I, you know, I'm the type of guy where hey. I'll entertain any type of conversation like that, yeah, yeah. but you got to show me something. It's the same with yeah. the DEW stuff. Like you can, you can say it exists. You can say that it may have been a cause of, of the fire even, but I, I pr would propose what I saw other people talking about recently, which is get us forensics, get it now and preserve it and get it out to several different uh, labs. Six. Get it out to yeah, all yeah. the people that you can. What's up, buddy? Are you, are you, um, when you say that, do you mean that it's possible that some of these children are being trafficked? That's what's being claimed online in certain circles. Okay. And, and I'm not adding any type of validity no, to that, right? Just, Other I than just saying, hey, that. 
angle. This is something that's being talked about because when you have an isolated area like that, right. that's cordoned off by authorities, do you take the word for it that those children ended the way that they say that they did? I don't take anyone's word for it. So no, I wasn't aware of so, this. I mean, okay. the, the possibilities there of missing okay. or disappeared children that'll never be accounted for because how can you even, how can you even go through that? How would, what, what would any parent want to do to identify their child? In that oh, scenario, I just wanted to make I wanted to make yeah. it clear because I wasn't aware of that, and I should have been. I no, well, I I think that anytime you talk about government fuckery and children, mm-hmm. and they're even in the same story, it's it's a reasonable it's a it's a reasonable thought to have. Now, and it brings now, how much energy space. you give it, how how you know feasible this is. I would suggest that maybe there's easier way of stealing children than in the middle of a gigantic fire like this. But yes. again, never let a you good crisis that? go to waste. Exactly. Too. Yeah. So just well, happens uh, every day. Here's yeah. a crazy theory that I'll bounce off the panel. What if it was a DEW, but it wasn't us or it will be claimed that it wasn't us. Remember babies and in incubators wasn't, didn't that lead mm-hmm. to some sort of war? Like if yeah, you did ever pin four. this yeah. on a on a it weapon or an action or even a hack, I mean, sh- shit, they don't even have to put the two and two together to reason with the American public anymore that a vessel or a drone or a satellite or anything could have done this foreign. That no, six. I'm not. Say, I'm not saying that you're you're wrong in that that yeah. what you had said earlier. I just hadn't thought of it because I'm not well. Oh, it's an outside. I'm not a psychopath. So, no, exactly. You didn't and, think of it because you're a good person. Your mind doesn't doesn't crazy. go there. But if if we want it, if we want to take that as a as a as a potential possibility of it being a you know pinned on somebody else, we saw them possibly lay the groundwork for it a year ago with the satellite from China that was mapping Hawaii, right? That that Weren't made we national just talking news. about 9-11? <laughs> you know? No, but no, but Charlie's no, right. It was, like a, it was a green grid, right? Yeah. It was a green grid and it was weird lights and lasers and all this shit. And it was about a year ago. And they yeah. and and that was a mainstream story. You if if we if I'm to put on my tinfoil hat, I could I could come at this from an angle of there's the setup there's the setup uh there's the setup story we'll give that a year or so to percolate then when it actually happens we can people say well wait what what happened was it directed energy well it could be well who would have been responsible for it well there was that incident about a year ago with the chinese and what happens in about a year charlie what happens in about a year damn right in that article six that what would give biden or who who owns Hawaii, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I pulled that up on the last uh, Substack. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, if you go into who owns Hawaii, um, but no, if you wanted a huge blue chip politically going into the next election, man, drop one of those. Get us into like World War Three type of territory. Nobody's going to be questioning any election at that point. A new Pearl Harbor. I mean, same area. They can't yeah, even get creative with that shit. It's PNAC all over again. Yeah. I mean, to talk about a, a, a state that has a history like this, right? Yeah. They, they, could, they, yeah right. they could continuously use something like that to get us into yet another good war. 
I mean, we've, like we've got to get them right there now. before they get us here, you know? Oh, well, that's been well established in precedent. Yeah, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Al Qaeda on every uh, what street corner and the virus. Oh, the virus is on every street corner too. It's all a bunch of bullshit, people. Yeah, but there, there's there's whether it's the Japanese in the 80s or the Chinese now, when your economy's booming and you've got a ton of extra money in it and you're looking to get it out off offshore, Hawaii becomes a logical place for purchasing real estate. So does Vancouver. So does Seattle. Um, so does San Francisco and Los Angeles, all these places. And that's where you saw massive investment in the 80s from the Japanese. It's where you see massive investment now from the Chinese, forcing prices through the roof in Vancouver uh, and Hawaii. You know, and so this is a this is a place. This is sort of a normal thing that uh, that this is what you you have. You start to see countries that are in that geographic region that start to have a booming economy look to get into uh, look to get their money out of that state, uh, out of the China or Japan, just to be on the safe side. And Hawaii's always been a great place to park it. I mean, there's more Japanese and Oahu than there are white people. Oh yeah, you will see some different fashions over there. I noticed when I when I visited. Yeah, you walk down the street, you're like, where the fuck they get those Nikes from or whatever at the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they got all kinds of different gigs over there. But uh, yeah, my favorite though. Um, so I I never got to visit Charlie. I never got to visit Maui uh, yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did get to visit Oahu uh, way back when with my good friend John Henry that I uh, do this show with at times. And uh, John Henry and I went out when we were rather young. We're in our early 20s. And um, famously, I got stung by urchins in my first surfing experience on oh. Waikiki Beach. Oh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I, I got up early the first morning with John Henry, and we, we go down to the, the buffet uh, that they had in the hotel and just ate our faces off, right? Because we know we were going out for a long day of swimming and, and paddling. And um, I, I eat all the pineapple. I tried the poi. That's a weird fucking thing. Um, <laughs> and then I hear people talking about like sour poi, like fermented poi. And I'm like, uh. oh, that's, that sounds crazy. I got to I, I, I'm going to try it. I'm not saying I'm going to like it. But uh, and then but with just going back to the panel for the story here. Um, so I get my surfboard. I start paddling out. And all of a sudden, my surfboard gets stuck on top of some coral. And I knew that you're, you shouldn't touch coral, right? You know, you, the oils from your hands and other shit like that, they say. Mm -hmm. Plus, there's, there's also fire coral in certain places, too, I've heard, that'll, like, burn your fucking skin off, so you don't want to touch it. But I'm stuck on top of this coral. Now, John Henry is a giant water bug of a person, so he's already way out ahead of me. So I'm he just, had a teddy bear. Absolutely. Uh, and he has Sasquatch proportions. We, we measured, and he fits. But... Um, no, the, uh, the fact that he was way out ahead of me, I'm just like, all right, well, I'm not going to get stuck here. So I put my hands down, and on top of the coral, which I didn't see, was an entire bed of sea urchins. <laughs> so I pull up my hands, and I'm like, wow! You know, like, it's just, holy shit. Uh, and then it's, it's like uh, those black uh, Bic pens. It's like those, like, sticking out of my hand. And uh, they're glass uh, type of, you know, texture to them, so you don't want them breaking off in you. You have to pull them out. Um, I learned that from a local and, uh, while I was learning this lesson, Charlie, I sat up on my board and then a wave knocked my feet back into them too. So I have them both in my hands oh. and feet. Now urchins will shoot a purple type of toxin into you, which not only gives you a nice little purple tattoo. So all the locals know that you're an idiot. It's like an you, ink, <laughs> right? It's an ink. 
Yeah, it's like an ink, and then uh, but it also is like a bee sting. So then the anaphylactic shock of that hits my heart, and I lose all of the buffet that I just consumed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I am I am a mess. I am a fucking mess, and I'm screaming for John Henry. I'm like archids, archids, dude. He can't hear me. We're in the middle of the ocean, right? There's right. waves going. Like he's trying to stand up and everything. It's not happening. So uh, a local comes up to me. He's like, Boya. What's what's the matter? And I show him my hands and feet. He's like, oh, first thing he says to me is don't pee on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do that. It's a good way to get a weird infection. All right. Um, especially, you know, <laughs> that's um, jellyfish, not a sea urchin. Yeah. yeah. We get confused. So he he shows me how to pull the barbs out. And I sit there and I'm like pulling all these little gimmicks out of my hands and feet. And then eventually, like the the shock wears down and everything. And after that, I got to stand up on the surfboard. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like that feeling to me. Like, I'm not the most coordinated motherfucker. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> no way, like, I was not a good skater or anything like that. And John Henry's way more advanced than me in any type of, like, sporting event like that. So he, he took to it pretty well, too. But, man, that was a rush. There was nothing like that to me. I can only imagine yeah. that Harley ride, brother. What a moment. Oh, well, it was it was one of those, I mean, again, it's just contributing to this this relationship I have with that, that place and, and to see it, uh, boy, you know, it, there was a, there was a, there was something that was new this time around that I noticed. It's not uncommon if you go to major cities, but I was a little surprised to find how many people were sleeping on the beach in Maui. Oh Yeah. Well, we um, talked to them about the cost of living, the people there's we this last week. Yeah. There's the, the road that continues uh, through Lahaina, the main one that goes the Hanapili Highway that goes all the way up and, and goes to Kanapali. And along that, it's just, you know, there's only really one way in and one way out. But along that, it goes it goes right by the ocean. And so what you can see is that there's a lot of there's like parking spaces off to the side on the ocean side. And it's just vans and campers and vans and cars and people just living there. So there's a there had already been kind of like this. Now, now they'll they'll tell you that they're just camping, that they're just, you know, it's like, oh, it's a long weekend. We're just going to go surf. And and so there's a lot of surfing going on. There is a lot of that. But there's a lot of people that are just maybe camping forever there. And, and, and that was something I hadn't seen before. I mean, I'd seen people in that region, uh, surfing and doing what they do, but they were, they were there, they were barbecue. They weren't leaving. They weren't going anywhere. They were living there. And so that had already happened. That was before the fire, of course. And so now you're going to have that just pour gasoline on every, everything else too, because, um, you know, jobs have gone away. All those jobs there, that tourist, the tourist dollars have left. They won't be coming back for a while. That is a just-in-time society. You know, they need, they they can't have breaks in the tourists coming. That's, well, they count on that. It's a microcosm for the rest of the world. Like, even going yeah, back really to is. that Vandana Shiva thing we were talking about. It's people talked about how the tourism ended in Sri Lanka and how much that lent to their economy because of COVID. Because of lockdowns, because of the way that the government was. Like people, people's houses just burn down sometimes. Floods happen. Like I just I talked to a friend of ours that said that his house was was spared, but other people's weren't. 
Things like that occur. But what if the government makes the fire? What if the government makes the flood? What if the government was the one responsible for the gimmicked markets that led to those people not being able to afford to live and have oh, to live on that beach, Charlie? You mean like improper forest management? Well, and then just, just manipulation of our economy. Like what is a country even anymore? Are we just different competing economies now? Like what are we really supposed to be as these big federal entities? And even just like the differences between where I'm at and where you're sitting, Charlie, like we have vastly different cultures and, and landscape and geography compared to Hawaii. What, what have they to be involved in our stupid federal scheme here? Like, why would they want to be Shouldn't involved be. in this? I yeah. understand why we would want them. Why we, yes. we, not we, you and me, the, the, we, the American government, from a strategic standpoint, to have that outpost in the middle of the Pacific, very powerful for us and the things that come along with it. That's how the government thinks. They don't say like, oh, it'd be great if we could incorporate these beautiful Hawaiian people into our culture. They don't give a shit about those people. They, they want that land. Yeah. They've always wanted that land. In fact, Hawaii would be so much better for the American government if they could just get rid of all these Hawaiians. That's how they think about this, unfortunately. They well, don't care isn't about it the so it's Indian about reservations. It's, it's Indian reservations. And it could be all these little rust belt cities that I've visited in my life. They're all the that's, same. That's, that's what Alika and I were talking about with regard to in that episode was because he said, he said, to be fair, we, the Hawaiians that negotiated the, those deals, negotiated a way better deal than what the American Indians got. He said that they were the people that were in charge of, of making that decision. They said, first of all, like America just kind of took over. But within that, there was some negotiation and the negotiations that they got were things like um, property taxes, very, very low property taxes, but property taxes are very low for locals. They're not very low for corporations. So if you need to generate additional property tax revenue, you're not getting it from a bunch of locals living in Lahaina. But if you rebuild that thing and put a bunch of, uh, if you, if the, if, uh, you know, yeah. Who's in four, the best position to buy back to... in folks. That's, that's how it works. You yeah, know, Ritz Carlton you... wants to build a, a, a place there and the, you, then you better believe that's going to generate a ton of, of, uh, revenue. And if you're locally so, invested in a larger entity can destroy your local economy that you have your investments in, then some a larger entity, big octopus, some, you know, some bitch like that, can just move right in and scoop all that stuff up. Hasn't that happened and echoed throughout time through our depressions and manipulations and everything through the 2008 that destroyed probably a lot of our economic viability in our lives, Charlie, in our deck, it's, in it's, our era. It's, it's a it's a, a feature, not a bug. Yeah, you're yeah, describing good. the Guardian racket. I mean, well, that too. Municipalities all the time getting well, people, and that's people. and that's just in the market of people. You know, that using people as a market, and that's what Charlie brought up is like the way that the government looks at these people is that they are an exploitable market that we can utilize. So as long as we keep them isolated, as long as we keep them battling over identity and battling over this and that and pulling Taking for left and right, you know, left wing, right wing, same fucking vulture. Um, we're, we're, we're just going to keep them at bay and, and they're going to be able to accept that when we come out and tell them that we may have really fucked up negligently, you know, right. Um, as, as a, a guy, as some sort of a community servant 
or even uh, some people would even put pose as leaders, which I wouldn't because of my my ideology and perspective on this. But to to be able to come out and say to people that you failed them in such a manner like this, and still continue on as a business or entity, like anyone else, like if this was a private matter, if this was a voluntary matter. We would have told them the GTFO a long time ago, wouldn't we? <laughs> I mean, so I mean, I, I will there be a movement to reclaim Hawaii on its own? Could that be a future in liberty? Could that be a practice or at least an experiment in liberty where people could actually go back to some sort of localization? But to look at the barrier of that, because the barrier of that is, is that who's going to buy up and own all of the property? in those areas now is it going to be those people did they give up their property rights and once they gave up that right just like when you let dracula in your fucking house shit's on bad karma for that land i wouldn't oh. build on that man yeah like pet cemetery level type of bad karma <laughs> real bad karma yeah. if in fact there was some nefarious component to this and it wasn't natural and it wasn't, and it was more than just negligence. If that is the case and you burn those people out in order to build some metropolis there, may you, may you receive the worst karma of your life for that. So they, that just what has been done. I, you know, listen, I would love to say that this is going to be the, the point in time where the Hawaiian people rise up and, and take this back and don't put, but I don't believe that. I think the Hawaiian people have been domesticated by our government, the democratic party in particular, they have been um, put well, on I did, a, I did that's nationwide by the way. True. True. Well, um, that's something that echoes, right? It echoes in different cultures. Like I'm a big fan of heavy metal and heavy metal culture. And one of the bands I've been listening to often now is uh, Kubla Khan, and they have a song called Legacy. And it ends with the line, another legacy killed by pill mills and padlock cell blocks. And you can see that go all throughout America, and you can see that happening in Hawaii. You can see that happening where people get hooked on the smack, get hooked on the dope, because they were given the pills by the people that just didn't the the, the uh family the sh shacklers what are they what are they called sacklers sacklers there we go it's right on the tip of my fucking tongue to tell them to go fuck themselves but yeah didn't they just walk away from like mass murder with just yeah. a, a little bit of penalty and be able to keep all of their won't they leave like a legacy for their children won't they leave a legacy that gets passed on to anybody that they hooked up over the years right because they didn't lose out what did the American people lose? Just another number? Just another statistic? You know, what What are we to them? That's, I mean, that's something that we, I, I don't know if we can address on a massive level, Charlie. I don't think that uh, our solutions scale up. I think we need to scale things down quite a bit and sort of relook at our, our fundamentals, especially whenever it comes to like the ability that we give authority to take life. I think that that in itself, I mean, that that's a crucial thing that we, I think that we have to understand or, or address as, as we sort of build our own culture and make our own legacy for people in the future. Because I don't, I don't see how it ever works out that we allow these people to decide who live, lives and who dies. 
Oh, but but uh, attorneys in black robes get to decide that every day. Yes. To, okay. Sorry, firsthand. You know, uh, a judge gets to decide whether because of hus you know possible petitions to uh, would you know pull the plug on somebody, even though the family well, members. and they're going to make the decision on what happens to these people that were responsible in Maui. Will they not? Will it not come back to the government? as a so-called neutral arbiter in this case, right? In this scenario, won't it fall upon them to make a decision of who was negligent or even what negligence is or what they're going to call it next Tuesday? Because you know when and we're going to you have, and, and what about even getting a forum to to uh, to even vet that or to oh, yes. delve into it? To we even present even... evidence. Yes. To even present evidence these days. I mean, folks, uh, I tell people all the time, Charlie, you work in media, you make things, you create things. Um, I, I I know you might have to run. I just want to maybe shoot this over to you. Um, one second here. I just got to figure out how shit works. Boom. Apparently, Google has announced a worldwide ban on independent media from search results. <laughs> now, I know that headlines like this can be a little bit of a stretch, right? But just the idea that the fact that, I mean, shit, I've known about this for the last 10 years. I've known about the manipulation and the algorithms because it's apparent. Because the questions that I have, which lead to the shit that I search for, is has been affected by companies like this. That's why I no longer use them. At least I try not to. I mean, but what, what does someone like this that has military contracts... What does someone like this that has you know a great stake in the economy, like a rock, not a, maybe a Rockefeller level stake in the economy, right? But like at least a stake in the economy, he would be a, a stakeholder these days, even. Yeah, that's a nice little fancy well, term. That's a like nice buzzword. There you go, stakeholder. Yeah. Yep. Can I? But, can I just do something six real quick? Absolutely, man. I I'm choking right now. Please I go just, get help, Chris. I just wanted to say. You know, it's good to uh, share the screen with Charlie again. Yeah, Chris, uh, you haven't been feeling well all day. Um, I appreciate you being here, brother. I, I want to let you know, I will never push you to do anything you never want to do, but I'm glad I get to spend time with you, man. But I really want you to get help, my friend, if you're not feeling well, okay? I can't, I can't, I can't breathe right now. Yeah, we... Uh, yeah, we're all people. Please, uh, please focus your your thoughts and your your energy and things on our brother Chris today, if you can. Give him a little bit of love any way you can. It's it's been rough, Charlie, uh, with um, what Chris is going through, and he he likes to come on and spend time with everybody and talk about these things because we're all friends. But he has not been. Um, in a good way physically a lot so um but oh he has come back all right he thank you for coming back chris um sorry you dropped out there or whatever man i hope you're okay me too man chris is a chris is a beast you know that when i i kind of joked about this when we were on uh i think on the america unplugged but like whenever there's a topic I know, you know, and it's like, okay, Chris, do you know anything about this? 
I'm going to get six articles about it that I've never seen before. Some obscure thing. Chris is going to be like, we we covered this 10 years ago. Don't worry about it. I'll send you the stuff I've got on it. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> and I'll go through and I'll go, I haven't heard of any of this stuff. And Chris is like, oh, yeah, this, yeah we've been we've been doing this. So the best researcher in the game is Chris Graves. Everybody knows that. Not even debatable. So Thank we, you. I, you, I am appreciative to share the screen with you, Chris. You, um, this is a, this is, listen, man, you get into this line of work, you start caring about these sorts of things. There is almost no upside. There's no financial gain in this. There's no, you get told you're crazy. You get told that you're the problem. You get told that you're the bad guy. You can't make a living doing this. Your family thinks you're insane. It's nothing but downside, except that when you know it's the right thing to do, you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You talk about this stuff so that there isn't another Maui where a hundred kids get cooked. You know, you you talk about this stuff so that people are aware that this is a possibility, that the government gets involved in these things. And you and the only way you can do that is you've got to have facts, man. You've got to have you've got to have the truth, you've got to have facts, you've got to have information in order to make your case and do that. And if you come at this with bad information, you're going to get, you're, you're not going to be in it very long. People aren't going to listen to you. They're not going to take you seriously. So if I need good information, you talk to Chris, he's yeah. got the good information, man. That's just, that's just, he's one of the sources. There are others, but you run it, you run it through Chris. Hey, have you heard about this, man? What do you know about this? Have you? Am I out of my mind? Like, take take a look at this. Have you heard that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what you do. So we, you got to have a Chris, and Chris, you, we need you. Okay. Yeah. So we're not taking no for an answer. We need you. Yeah, so yeah. you're coming. Absolutely. And that's just it. We're all we're all cheering for you, brother. Yeah, man. Um, let, let's do this. Um. Charlie, please let people know where they can find you. I did put uh, some links for you in the description of all the videos that will be uh, posted. So, uh, but yeah, just to let the people know that are listening. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I yeah, I welcome. wish we were talking about unicorns and rainbows and not Absolutely. this stuff. But we, we're maybe going we'll talk to have about music or something like that another time. Of course, and there's and 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 we because we need to be well rounded. We don't yes. need to go into the doom loop ourselves and just think yeah. that it's all over. We have to have, you know, there's got to be a balance. You have to recognize the darkness in order to appreciate the white light and goodness yeah. and everything, you know, so we, we, we're going to have to tiptoe around some of these bad things out there. That's what I try to do with macroaggressions. I try to, to, to get information out in a way that's, you know, I don't know exactly what the measurement component, what the ratio is, but information, good information and, like a, a sense of humor and like kind of laughing at the absurdity of it all, not to be disrespectful, but because, but because you need like a relief valve, you kind of have to laugh at how, how preposterous things have gotten because that'll help you process what you need to do. So macroaggressions is, is the podcast it goes out twice a week, once as a monologue, once as an interview, you can catch it. You can get it wherever podcasts are served. You can get it in video format on Rockfin, on um, Odyssey, band.video, vigilante.tv. 
The website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. It's a good place to go for people that are, um, you know, just want to find information about books. And um, and then we do the Union of the Unwanted show and we do Day Zero. That's a, those are group shows that I do that are fun. Too much fun. Too, too much fun to, <laughs> to even consider it to be work. You know how that is. Um, but the books are work and the books are, I don't know if I'd say fun to write, but they're, they're, I'm compelled to write them. I have no choice. I have to, it, it becomes clear that this information needs to get out in any, in every way, shape and form it can. So I like to, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of that process. I appreciate you. You're having me on and, um, and, uh, boy, what a crazy world, huh? Yeah, I mean, definitely thoughts and energy to the the people in Hawaii, and the same to our friend Chris Graves, uh, to the the families of uh, also I grew up a big wrestling fan, so the families of Terry Funk and also uh, Wyndham Rotunda. What a crazy week! It's hard to wrap these things up and like in just four different little stories, and we try and do that each week. I don't even know if we got to all four this week, but this was. An amazing conversation and experience and also emotional because uh we all feel for our friend chris because we respect uh what he does so much um and he's always been good to us that's the thing so um folks out there appreciate you all being here lisa what are your final takeaways from this episode what do you want people to take home from this one wow just much gratitude to charlie uh being able to sh share this episode with him and uh for, for being the light. Thank you, man. I've got, I, I've, I, there's no other way I can deal with this. I have, I have, I'm awake to it. I, I'm not going back to sleep. I'm not going to comply. I'm going to be a pain in the ass to the extent that I can for as long as I can. And I appreciate you guys for allowing me to do that on your show. And I appreciate that attitude, my friend. And we'll definitely have to even talk art, man. You have, you have some sick art that you use too. That's really neat that, what you do with it. We got to talk to the Merkels about that. They're the ones that are doing it. Excellent. Excellent. Tony and his brother, and they're, they're mad laboratory creating great art. They'll send it over my way. I'll go, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing Bob. to do with it. I just, I just send it to the, I let them let their little Photoshop fingers do their thing so. yeah because I, I might be i might be in need of some album cover work uh in the future i'd like to i'd like to maybe talk to some of those folks that'd be really nice so for sure we'll, we'll definitely have to do more things charlie you you were awesome to have um also huge shout out to everybody in the chat uh for giving chris their well wishes and sending them dms and things and trying to help them out like i just uh I will say that, you know, right now in Chris's position, he may get a little overwhelmed. So he may not be able to respond to everybody's messages and things. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he appreciates all the love. But uh, folks out there, please uh, like this video, share it up with people that need to see something like it. Uh, definitely check out our friend Charlie's work. Uh, check out his shows on Rockfan. Definitely check out his books too. Like get, get yourself a, a hard copy of something to keep around because you never know when you might be... Uh, stranded on an island where you may need to have a book or two to read. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, doing uh, something like of a watch along with our friend Chuck Ocelli. Still, we experienced some technical gremlins, uh, those little bastards, 
definitely going to switch to a lower form of iron Got a little heavier lumber here to use against them in the future but uh yeah we will get that all straightened out and get that watch along up and running too on that uh, documentary so yeah stay tuned for that stuff also uh be on alert for the uh tiger and the snake financial report potentially at some point today depends on whenever um they deliver power to our good friend angry tiger and then uh also uh look out for uh conspiring with mr cooper tomorrow night uh pending anything uh going on with uh chris and stuff we'll, we might have to figure some stuff out all right but uh thank you all for tuning in to tnp uh we will see you back here next friday for geez episode 97 lisa we're going on two years and 100 episodes here at the show that's some wild shit wow uh, i'll tell you uh you know it's been a great journey and uh looking forward to uh much big things coming up this way well i may just have an announcement um for the 100th episode that i'll, I'll be sharing with everybody a way that we can kind of take this into that level that I was just talking to charlie about like getting the album covers done and other things like that maybe maybe something into uh more of the creative realm too because i think that uh that excites our good friend chris a lot as well but uh folks appreciate you all uh until we meet again and until we are free we are the new prisoners.